This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crange, alongside, as always, King of Banter, very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? Uh, Where is my new moniker? What was the new one? I forget what it was already. Um, I have ascended to a godlike figure. (laughs) <laughs> I thought you had another one. You had another one that, on, when we did the instant reaction show on the uh, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. I forget what it was, but um, that has been Listen. quickly overtaken by godlike. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I'm not a religious man, but just in case, I'm going uh, to stay away from that one. When you've ascended to a godlike figure, <laughs> you don't worry about any other moniker, really, because that is never going to be top. That's true. Did, did you let the TLB know about that one? I bet you did. Reddit to her. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Reddit to her. Absolutely. I was like, listen to this. I have ascended to godlike status, according to the uh, the listeners. One listener, but you say listeners. No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Okay. She'll never know. But, she, uh, she won't check you on that. She, you know, got a. No, she was impressed. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm, I, I yeah. thought she would have just left the room, but she, that got her. That was the first one that really. Uh, no, she liked it. She okay. didn't. She didn't. You know, she she's like, wow, that's that's impressive. So you know, um, I was like, don't ever search my name on Twitter because they're, they're they're not all. <laughs> it's less than yeah, it's less than. <laughs> There's some diminishing returns there, but uh, to say the least. Um, but yeah, I demand that from this point forward, I be introduced. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Fully ascended to a godlike figure, uh, Joe Lanza. I I only think it's fair. Again, these monikers are always chosen by the listeners. I do not bestow these monikers to myself, okay? And you can't even say that I do. These all come from the listeners. So um, I don't know. I, I think the people demand it, and I think this is how I demand it to be referred to. So you know what? We may as well start now. I'm going to give you the floor. Okay. Give you some silence, and uh, go ahead. Give me – the proper introduction that a man of my stature deserves. Go ahead. All right, you want to just restart? The, you want to like restart the whole show? Like we'll keep all this in, but I'll act like it's not in, right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. <clears throat> take a take a swig of this whole drink here, real quick. We got so much to talk about in pro wrestling world, but let's do this. All right. Okay. <clears throat> all right. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Krejci, alongside, as always, a godlike figure, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? You know, now that is an introduction befitting of a man who has ascended to, to a godlike figure. Do you want me to say that ascended is, into in like a godlike? Because at some point you, you you've because you're there now, right? He was saying at that time the listener was saying that you have ascended to it, but now you're there, right? Do you need me to say ascended to a godlike figure or just a godlike figure? You, you see know, the difference there. I'm I'm trying to find the exact quote because um, 
of course I wasn't prepared for this bit. So let me let me see if I can find. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. nothing else going on in wrestling. We have plenty of time nothing, today. nothing going on. Um, hmm. Can't find the exact verbiage. <laughs> but Are we sure this happened? No, I, I saw it. I, I, I do remember that. I, I got you to call me a godlike figure. That was the whole point of this. Uh, it worked. We completed the exercise. But I'll tell you what. By next week, I will craft that quote into a new moniker, and it will be added to officially be added to the monikers. So we'll have you. We'll, we'll have you intro the show next week if we remember that, and then you can you can officially add it to your list. Um, your chronological list, so it'll be at the end. Um, but yeah, that'll be that'll be really good stuff uh, next week. But this week, <laughs> Joe, there is a lot, a lot to talk about. We shouldn't note here that um, we have done some sh- a bunch of shows already on the Patreon side as well. So if you're a subscriber, you've gotten a lot of content from us in the last few days. Uh, right after Wednesday's uh, AEW versus NXT, we did an instant reaction show. You can get that uh, at patreon.com slash voice of wrestling. You then on Thursday did the Thursday TV reviews talking about the ratings. We're still going to talk about the ratings here today. I just wanted to preface that we're not going to review AEW. We're not going to review NXT. We've already done that on the Patreon side. So subscribers have heard us. Thankfully, there's a plenty more to get to, to regardless of that because this is an insane wrestling week. So if you're looking for straight reviews of, of AEW, straight reviews of the Wednesday Night Wars, and straight reviews of NXT, that will all be on the Patreon side, patreon.com uh, slash voice of wrestling. And you also, on the Thursday reviews, touched on the ratings uh, uh, on that show, but we're going to go over it a little bit because you were able to kind of have your, your piece about it. Uh, now I want to talk about it a little bit too. And we have a little bit more details, a little bit more demo data. So we got some really, really cool stuff about the ratings. So uh, we're going to do that. But before we do any of that, though, that Joe, was, hold on oh, now. Go ahead. That was the piece of audio entitled The Thursday TV Reviews, The Bloodbath. Which has ascended me to godlike status, Rich. So if people would like to hear that piece of audio, which has now anointed Joe Lanza a wrestling god, they can go to patreon.com slash voices wrestling, right? $5 tier and listen to that audio. Rich, I have the quote. Are you ready for yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead. This is a... This, is it, is it an honorable person, though? Who is this that said this? That's a tremendous, a tremendous supporter and, and fan. Here's the quote. I cannot advocate enough that people need to join the Voices of the Wrestling Patreon right now. Lanza just did 45 minutes of some of the greatest pro wrestling audio I've ever heard. This man has ascended to godlike status. End quote. Now listen, if that doesn't sell you on a Voices of Wrestling subscription, I'm not sure anything can. $5 to hear the word of a godlike figure. I mean, a godlike figure in wrestling audio. You're not hearing from somebody okay. that's that's getting messages from a godlike figure. This isn't an, a a T evangelical or whatever. This is this is you are hearing directly from the godlike figure. You can't beat that. I'm the, listen. This isn't Hokey Dave Meltzer. No. No Billy no Billy Jabril. Graham. No, we're past the wrestlers. Don't even talk about wrestling things anymore, Joe. This is this is bigger than that. That's right. We're no Jabroni Wade Keller. <laughs> you know, none of these guys. Sean Ross Sapp, I don't think so. All right. Uh, Mike Johnson, nope. Okay. This is Joe Lanza with 45 minutes of the greatest wrestling audio of all time, which you can listen to for just $5. And it's still only the first week of the month, which means you're getting full value out of that $5. Uh, you will not be charged again until November 1st. So, uh, Everybody go listen to that right now. It is entitled The Thursday TV Reviews, The Bloodbath, as I went over in excruciating detail uh, the absolute slaughter that was uh, AEW versus NXT and, and, and the fallout from the ratings that came out on Wednesday. And Rich and I, as Rich noted, did 
the uh, live instant reaction the night of, which is also getting rave reviews. And there is a uh, that wasn't just live. We have a a, a uh, we slap record on that, and that can be listened to on demand as Correct. well behind the paywall. So here comes TLB dancing through the room. What there is she go. doing? I don't know. She's, she's, she's gonna married to a godlike figure. That's that's enough for her. She is married to a godlike figure. That's right. Hey, remember I read you that quote that said I had ascended to godlike status. You were very impressed by that, right? See, I oh, told wow. you. She was okay, impressed. I thought she'd be like kind of jokingly, but no, she she seems generally oh, impressed didn't. by that. Listen, she shares a home with a godlike figure. I mean, this is a, this is. A, I'm sure she told all her friends and bragged at work and uh, and everything else that goes along with that. So, uh, in fact, I, she should probably subscribe, just like everybody else, to hear the word of a godlike figure. But. Uh, <laughs> While we're doing the hard sell, while while we're selling like crazy here, uh, other things I want to do on if if you if you're just anticipating more AEW, more NXT, more Wednesday Night Wars content, which we're going to give you here in a second as well. uh, A few notes I wanted to say: we did launch a new podcast here on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network, uh, hosted by Garrett and Liam. It's the Wednesday Night War Games. Uh, so you're going to be able to go on there, Wednesday War Games, uh, Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. You subscribe to the feed just to listen to that show, or what we recommend is the entire Podcast Network feed, and then you'll get that among all the other shows that we do on this network too, but uh, really rave reviews so far for that first episode of that series. So what they're going to do is basically assign a winner to each week, talk about the, the ins and outs, go over like kind of, you know, who won this part of the war, who won this part of stuff. So it's, it's an interesting kind of semi analytical way of looking at it every single week. So that's really cool stuff. And uh, everything elite, of course, the, uh, our, our AEW focused podcast, on this network, uh, they have an episode coming up by the time most of you guys listen to this as well, recapping uh, the first week of AEW and Dynamite. Uh, and then they were also uh, guests on Street Fight Radio, big time spot for the Everything Elite guys were a guest on Street Fight Radio, uh, and those guys did a, uh, a review podcast as well. So I'll put links in the description for all this stuff if you want to check it out. But uh, yeah, people are coming to us, you know what I mean? Like people are coming to our podcast, the Everything Elite, and having them come and be the experts uh, on their show. So that's uh, that's definitely a, a, an awesome honor. And yeah, we got you covered every single way possible here with this uh, this new wrestling landscape which is just absolutely fucking ridiculous and and already overwhelming in the first week so everywhere i go everywhere i go people say to me joe when are you gonna go on street fight radio everywhere i go okay they stop me in the street they say are you joe lanza i say i in fact i am they say when are you gonna go on street fight radio my invite must have got lost in the mail i don't i don't know what happened here but i hear it was a tremendous spot with the uh everything I almost said evolves again. <laughs> everything with the everything elite. I heard it was a tremendous spot and people should go listen to it. How's that for some cross promotion? There it is. Good stuff. Yeah. So when's murder Brian going to get Joel Lanz on street fight radio. What's going to happen? We got to invite him. Maybe we got to bring him here and then he'll bring you that. I don't know. I'm down. Maybe I'll talk to them. Maybe. I'll talk to all those guys. I have, I have turned down. This is a fact too. I'm not even doing shtick. I have turned down other podcast invites and I've told people, listen, not until I'm on Street Fight Radio. When I get on Street Fight Radio, then I'll come on whatever your little hokey podcast is. That's a fact. So I'm waiting here patiently. We'll see what happens. All right, let's get to it here. Uh, we, uh, as of this recording, by the way, we're recording this around 9 uh, on Friday. We uh, just finished watching SmackDown on Fox, uh, the yes. debut episode of SmackDown Live on Fox. Uh, instant reaction about that is not going. We're not going to do every, every second of the show. But Joe, I know you watched. Uh, I think almost all the show. I watched a little bit here and there. Uh, overall, what do you think of SmackDown on Fox? And then let's talk about the big story. I think more not what happened at the beginning of the show, which was you know interesting and I think worth talking about a little bit. But what happened at the end of the show? 
uh, with the debut of Cain Velasquez, Brock Lesnar defeating Kofi Kingston to become the new champion uh, in about four seconds. Uh, but before we get to that, overall thoughts on SmackDown and Fox. How different, how new, uh, and, and how... I mean, your week now is so dramatically changed now because SmackDown's no longer on Tuesdays. It's now on Friday. So I don't know. How, how, how did this blow your mind and how much was different about SmackDown on Fox on Friday? Well, nothing was different. It was oh. a SmackDown episode. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I mean, okay, so you had The Rock in the opening segment doing, you know, testicle humor with Baron Corbin. And you had the big angle at the end, which I thought came off very well. And we'll talk about that in more detail in a minute. And you had, um, you know, some wrestlers from Raw. They're going to do the draft next week and, you know, presumably stick to it at least a little bit longer than usual. I don't trust them to stick to it, um, you know, because, you know, what does history tell us? They never stick to those things. Um you know, but but they'll have the draft next week. So you did have Seth Rollins and the goofy fucking you know murder clown on this episode too. But you know, essentially, in between the Rock and the Kane Velasquez thing at the end, it was you know one hour and forty five minutes or whatever of what you would normally see on SmackDown. You know, with a new set. And um, you know, I, I, as I'm watching the show, all I'm thinking to myself is. If someone dropped in to see The Rock and they stuck with the show, I'm just – I can't imagine that any non-fan is thinking to themselves, I need to watch this every week. This is uh, – I got to tell you, this is uh, this is an incredible form of entertainment that, that, that I haven't been paying attention. No, it's the same hokey nonsense that you get out of this company and um, a lot of it is stuff that non-fans are, you know – going to laugh at and have no respect for and live up to every stereotype that people have about pro wrestling. And they're, they're not really stereotypes. Uh, it's, it's the legitimate image of what this company presents as pro wrestling. And um, I don't, you know, to me, you know, th- this show will do a good rating or it should, or they're in really big trouble, but this show will do a really good rating because the rock was there. And um, you know, with all of the, I mean, they couldn't have hyped it hard enough. I mean, you know, you couldn't, if you watched anything on Fox, whether it was the NFL or major league playoffs or anything, any other Fox programming across all the Fox networks, you were just bombarded. I mean, they, they did a tremendous job, uh, you know, uh, publicizing this. So, I mean, they should, they should come out of the gates with a really good number. But what I'm thinking is, as I'm watching this is in two months, it's going to be the same core group of people watching this show because it is what it is. They're not going to change anything. They are what they are. And it's bad. It's bad entertainment. It's not good. So, um, you know, it's they'll get off to a great start, and we'll see how many weeks they maintain it. Two months from now, you want to give them a little bit of a bump for being on Fox. Maybe they'll get you know a couple hundred thousand more viewers. I don't think we're going to be seeing seeing numbers drastically different than what they were doing on USA. I really don't. Uh, this this show will do great. The draft presumably will hold some viewers and do great. And, you know, from there, I think you'll get your diminishing returns and we're going to level off right where we were. That's my feel when I was watching this, because I'm thinking if I'm a normal person who hasn't seen wrestling in five years or hasn't paid attention to wrestling and I'm watching this Firefly Funhouse stuff, if I'm watching Bray Wyatt, I am calling people into the room to mock it and laugh at it. And I'm never watching this again. And I'm doing whatever it is that I was usually doing. 
on Friday nights. Right. Uh, and and that's like so so the, for the rock segment, I mean obviously he starts it off and he's he's there with with Becky, but essentially it's there just making fun of Baron Corbin and kind of dragging him down. Did they cuz I only watched bits and pieces of that segment. I didn't see the entire thing, but did they explicitly kind of tell you, "Hey, the rock's not going to be back" or you know, "Don't get too excited about the rock being here." Or did they just kind of play it off like, "Oh, the rock's here." Like I cuz that's an important thing too to like if there is somebody that hasn't watched before and sees the rock on here, do they are they dumb enough to think The Rock's coming back next week? Or are they just like, oh, that's The Rock. Okay, cool. And let's see now what they sell us on the rest of the show. Like, The Rock thing is a way to get people in. But then immediately after that, it's like, okay, now what's the next thing? What's the next hook or whatever? But do they make it obvious that The Rock's you know, not going to be there all the time? No. But they didn't, like... I don't think that they, they like, gave you this false impression that he would be either. Right, 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 right. He just, he just, he just came in and did his thing. The, you the, know? Shit, and, the and, shit he's been doing for years. He comes in, makes fun of somebody, hits a rock bottom maybe, exactly. and then leaves. And then that somehow helps yeah, somebody. You've, so, <laughs> you've got Baron Corbin there as the goofy foil to make fun of, standing there in his dopey crown and robe, you know, and that was fodder for, for the – oh, and Becky was in the ring too. Becky Lynch was there. And they just made fun of Baron Corbin for, for eight minutes. And, um, you know, again, if I'm a casual viewer tuning in to see The Rock, they give it to me in the very first segment, right? Which I don't know how I feel about that. I may have just consistently hyped up The Rock and done it later, right? I don't know. Um, but they gave that away in the first segment. And if I was not someone who watches wrestling or hasn't in a long time, I see this goofball on a crown and a cape. And I guess it was mildly amusing, but. I think I would have just turned the channel to the baseball or whatever it is or taken my wife to dinner or whatever it is else that I do normally on a Friday night and never thought about it again. I mean, it was just, it was harmless, silly fun and didn't build to a thing. And they gave it away in the first 15 minutes. I know you want to get off to a good start. I get it. So there's an argument for starting with the rock and there's an argument for hyping up the rock and doing him in the last segment. Right. I mean, there's arguments for both. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, so what they used instead of they use Brock and Kofi as the hey, stick with the show yes. to watch Brock and Kofi. But anybody with any sort of semblance of, of a mind knows that that's the match that's going to be on at the end. So you can watch the rock at the beginning. And then once you see the rock, you can basically say, all right, cool. Well, I can tune out until, I don't know, 830 or whatever, 830 Central Time when we're watching and then check back in, you know, the last 30 minutes, because I'll presumably that will either be Brock and Kofi is about to start or will start in a few minutes. So they basically gave you the, the two things and kind of told you when those two things were going to happen. If you, if you were a, a viewer and, and a casual viewer and didn't kind of know or, or care about the stuff in between. And that's where I, I'm with you. If, if I have The Rock coming out and I'm saying, hey, The Rock's going to be here, I probably don't put it at the beginning. Like, you don't want people to miss The Rock, but you also don't want people to just tune into The Rock and then bounce and then come back whenever they, they, they do come back and leave that middle portion um, completely open, unless you hook them immediately after that Rock thing. And that's So there's always that little game of like, okay, when do you do it? I think for me, no doubt, you announce it before, like we said. You announce that he's going to come you know, to SmackDown, but then I wouldn't have him be the first segment. I just wouldn't. I would have it be something about in the hour, some 8 o'clock, something around there, so you get people to either hang around or maybe come back at that point, or they just say, hey, I don't want to fucking miss The Rock. They just say, hey, The Rock's coming. And you don't need you don't need to stretch it the whole two hours because that's kind of bullshit too. People get upset about that when you're just like, "Hey, we're promised the rock's coming, we're, he's coming, don't, yeah, yeah. don't move." But um, I like the idea of maybe you know make people wait an hour, show them, some, but then start with something real hot. You know, start with a hot match and go, "Wow, that was awesome!" All right, well, the rock's still coming, or you know, something like that would have been good. Starting out with the rock, I, I 
I get why they did it, but there, there's a downside to that too. And we'll see if we, you know, when we get these quarter hours and we get these ratings patterns, is that people might jump in, watch The Rock, leave, and then come back at around 8.30 when they know that the, the, the Brock Kofi thing is going to happen. So, Yeah, I mean, there's arguments for both. And, I, I you know, I, I don't really have a strong feeling either way. I personally would have held off The Rock. But you open with them, I get that too. I think that, you know, there'll probably be some people who turn it on next week, maybe thinking that he's a full-time part of the company, and they'll figure out that the guy's never coming back. You know what I mean? That's why I say, well, you know, in about two months, we're going to level off wherever we're going to level off. And I don't think it's going to be significantly higher than we were on USA. It'll be a little higher because, you know, it's just Fox total households versus USA total households. And Fox pounding the message every NFL Sunday and during all their other programming the way they have. Fox is committed to this. That's one thing. They're all the fuck in on making sure this works because, well, they're paying a billion dollars. So, you know, it's, it's, or what are they paying? I don't even remember it. Is it a billion or 500 million? Uh, I think or, it was. No, it's, it's, it's a, yeah, the total it's a billion, deal. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, they're fully committed to it and, and that's good uh, from, a, for, for wrestling. But at the end of the day, it's the product and it's just, you know, I can't, I know we, we've already ranted on this, but I, 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 I really can't stop talking about it or focusing on it. I see stuff like Bray Wyatt and I am 110% convinced that people are laughing and mocking it. I, I, I understand some people listening like that's fine. I'm not telling you that you're an asshole if you're into the fiend thing because I get the appeal. Okay. But I am just watching that and picturing, you know, normal non-wrestling fans checking this thing out or sticking with it after The Rock uh, was – obviously, they've, they probably lost a ton of viewers after The Rock segment was over. But the, the people who stuck with it, if they got to that segment, they are never watching this dopey show again. I mean it's that bad. It's really that bad and, and, and embarrassing and cringe. It's the kind of thing where you are praying – Nobody else in your home who is a non-fan is in the room with you when it's on. It's one of those kind of things when you're talking about The Fiend. And it's just they're showing the reaction shot of Nakamura and it's just it's so goofy. And then they're showing Seth Rollins and the the lights are flashing. And you're just like, what the fuck is this? I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a non-fan. And I'm like, why would I watch this? Right. You know, there's a there's a billion other television options that aren't this hokey bullshit. Right. Well, and th- and that's I, I do want to bring that up when when, when you say that is because I hear a lot of people when, when we kind of say, hey, look, it'd be you know they'd probably be better suited to go to and and this is like a trigger word for people when people get really upset when we say like the more sports like atmosphere and the more sports like or whatever. We're not saying it needs to be exactly like sports. We're saying though that people when when they tune into pro wrestling, in, in my thought and and hell, we're going to talk about it in a bit. It seems to be other people's thoughts too. When when people tune into pro wrestling, there's a certain standard and a certain understanding of what they're going to get from that pro wrestling show if i tune into a processing show do i really want this like really poorly done backstage segment thing and all like whatever the firefly whatever you want to describe that as and when i say that people always go well people like you know superhero movies and it's like yeah but those are good <laughs> you know what i mean those are like there's a reason why people watch those because when they sit down and watch marvel whatever the fuck they know they're getting marvel whatever the fuck but you sit down and watch pro wrestling, and the biggest issue sometimes with pro wrestling, and it's the biggest issue I think with WWE, is they try to be all things to all people, and they're nothing to anybody. Is exactly. they try to be a 
shitty comedy. They try to be, uh, or they 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 aspire to be a comedy, but they're not very good at comedy. They aspire to be drama. They're not really good at drama either. They aspire to be this supernatural sci-fi thing, but not really good at that either. So it's just like a lot of half-assed attempts to be a lot of different things. And it's like, who does that speak to? Your superhero fans, your people that go, oh man, I really like the new latest Marvel movie. Oh, here's a a wrestler being really terrible and doing a stupid hokey thing. Well, why would I want to watch that? I'll just go watch one of the fucking 19 Marvel movies that are probably out this weekend. Yeah, why do I want to watch WWE do this badly when right. I can go or watch people bring up the comedy? Game. You know, oh, they, they yeah. have comedy. Well, just go watch comedy. <laughs> like, there's a, a Comedy Central's oh. channel. I got Netflix. There's plenty of comedies for me to watch. There's a thousand comedy shows on TV that do comedy better. So I'm just going to go watch comedy. Nobody does wrestling better. You could do wrestling better than anybody else, you know? Yeah. And that's always the thing that hits me is like, why do you try to be all things to all people? That's not how it works. You're, you, you know, you're adjacent to the restaurant business. I forget what we're going to say. A lot of restaurants fail because they just try to be everything to everybody. They try to have every food on the option. Every, every it, Like, do what you do. Do what you do well and do it better than anybody else. And that's your hook. They have, for years and years and years, tried to not do pro wrestling. And it's like, just do pro wrestling. You'd be better than anybody at pro wrestling if you just did pro wrestling. But they can't do it. They just can't. Uh-huh. They won't do it. You can you get the sense that they really think the fiend is going to be this breakthrough thing, and they it's do. not. Right? It's not. It's it's you know. There's that tweet going around of the Fox execs, three of them laughing at it, which <laughs> is not the, which which. I mean, Rich, that's not the desired reaction. Oh God, no, no! You're supposed to be scared, and, cowering in fear. Oh my God, this guy's going to kill everybody, and instead they're just joking about it, laughing. And the rest of them have this look on their face, like, "What have we gotten into?" And it's like. That's how I picture everyone on their couch who stuck with this show beyond The Rock. Beside the fact that The Rock was in a segment that, yeah, played to his strengths because he got to be cocky and make fun of a, a dork. Okay, that's what The Rock does. Um, he's essentially a bully. I mean, if you really break oh, it absolutely. down, The no, Rock he's an is asshole. A the Rock's a fucking asshole. <laughs> but but he's he's got enough charisma and everything to overcome it. We, didn't, we really don't need to break down why The Rock has appeal. I mean, I think everybody understands it. So you put The Rock in a position where you know, he could play to his strengths, but it was still a guy and a crown and a cape in the ring. And that was the first impression you're giving people. Again, this is why I wouldn't have opened it up with that segment. Okay. I, I would have opened it up with something, but they're going to be who they are, which is really bad entertainment, which has been running millions of people off for the last few years and nothing's going to stop them. And, and, the fiend is just I'm shaking my head thinking this is so I mean you didn't see the segment but you've seen the ones from Raw it was exactly that again and except Shinsuke Nakamura was making dumb faces in the ring too like you know which and 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 doing them badly and it's just so corny and I it's not gonna you know but this is what they are yeah and you know it's it's now as far as the uh the final angle I thought it came off tremendous so Brock beats Kofi literally in five seconds Kofi goes in for I guess a flying forearm or something yeah I think that I think it was a flying forearm yeah whatever it was and Brock ducks and he lands on his shoulders he hits the F5 and Kofi doesn't kick out so exit stage left for Kofi um and I guess we could wrap this up in a neat little bow concerning Kofi Kingston we've talked about it ad nauseum since Wrestlemania um look it's it was a feel good story with a perfect ending at WrestleMania, but I think we could all agree it should have ended there. And he probably should have lost the title <laughs> shortly thereafter, as I burp on the air. Um, but you know, look, I really think they just dragged it out. 
until they got to Fox when it comes to Kofi. He wasn't getting good reactions. He was having bad matches at the pay-per-views. And he wasn't – and to just be kind, he wasn't a business positive. Let's just leave it at that. Um, so, I mean, I think they just – it was a holding pattern champion until they put it on a legitimate star when they got the Fox. And the one that they chose was their biggest star, Brock Lesnar, which was the right decision. You want to have your biggest star holding the title on what is now the A show. So it made total sense. And look, we called this before they even hinted at it. We said they're going to move Brock to SmackDown. He's going to beat Kofi Kingston in a minute. Okay. And he's going to be your new champion. Uh, you know, when they move to Fox, they're either, you know, going to do it the first week of Fox or the first pay-per-view they have an opportunity to do. But that's what's going to happen. And it, that was the right call. I mean, you know, they can't blow this Fox thing. So put the title and on your biggest star and build the show around Brock Lesnar. Um, I like Kofi Kingston as much as the next guy. You're not building SmackDown on Fox around Kofi Kingston. That's just the reality of it. So that's it for Kofi. Um, you know, we'll see if he's elevated from here. I, I get the sense he's just going to float right back down to the mid card. Um, but we'll see. And then they do the angle. Rey Mysterio's music hits coming off of the uh, angle on Raw. And uh, he comes out with Cain Velasquez, which is the big surprise. This gets a tremendous response from the crowd who did recognize him in L.A. Uh, for the most part. And uh, they, they have a short skirmish in the ring, which Kane gets the better of. Which, again, perfect angle. This is exactly how you want all of this to play out. You want to beat Kofi in 10 seconds to get him out of there. You want Kane to come out as the huge surprise. You want Kane to get the better of Brock. And for Brock to roll out of the ring and take powder, this is all handled perfectly. So... Tremendous final 15 minutes of SmackDown. This is going to generate a tremendous amount of interest. And we'll see if they have something with Kane Velasquez. Now, we need to break down Kane. We've seen him. Well, I've seen him wrestle twice. I think we both saw the first match. Did you watch the uh, AAA show in New York on Access TV? Yeah, I did not. I, I, I have it on my DVR, but I just unfortunately this week I was hoping to watch it earlier this week, and then everything that happened got caught up. So no, it's it's on the DVR, and I will check it out at some point. Probably now, if definitely I will check out Kane's match uh, there. But I did not see that one. But of course, I saw the Triple Mania match. So it's much of the same. It's you know he's a guy who any thought you had of him at Triple Mania, you're still going to have now. He's a guy who has massive potential. Who clearly is not ready for the main event spot on Fox in on SmackDown on WWE pay-per-views, but that's not to say that they shouldn't have signed the guy. And we're recording this literally minutes after SmackDown. I assume that they've got him signed. I, I don't know what's going on with his UFC contract. We can't speak to any of this yet because the show just ended. Okay. So I don't know what's going on with AAA with UFC. I would think he's done with AAA. I don't think WWE would go into business with a guy who's going to work for AAA. They would probably go into business with him if he's still going to have some UFC fights uh, because I think you make that concession for a star of this magnitude or a potential star of this magnitude. But he's going to need to spend a ton of time in the Performance Center and become what we all think he could become in the ring because that – I mean you could protect him. you know. And against Brock, I guess you're going to do short matches anyway and – but, I mean, he's clearly not a ready-for-prime-time dude between the bells, even though the potential is there. What do you think about that from that perspective? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I think 
you know, you could tell, and, and, and anytime, because I, I have a few, you know, pretty big MMA fans at work, and they were like, hey, I heard that Kane's doing wrestling now. Like, how did he look? And, and the thing that I always said about him is, like, you could tell that he was a natural, the charisma was there. You could tell the guy just walks into the ring, takes two steps, does something, and the crowd goes nuts. Like, he's got that connection. And we saw that on SmackDown, too. He comes out, the crowd knew who he was, and even though he did look like, what'd you call him, uh, uh, like, melted candle wax. <laughs> I was saving that, but yeah. I mean, <laughs> he that, didn't, that, aesthetically, that. aesthetically, there's there's an issue. There There's going to be a problem right. there, so yeah. You, so you brought that up. So that was going to be my next point. But since you've, we've jumped the gun on it, that's the one issue I had with the angle. As soon as he took his shirt off, like you said, he kind of stole my thunder. But yeah, he looks like a melted candle. I mean, the guy looks like shit. He doesn't. And, and that really, I never thought about that in AAA. Did you think about that when he was wrestling in Not AAA? really. No, I really didn't. I don't know why it was so profound here, but it really was uh, when he took that shot. Maybe it was the, the pants he was wearing. Maybe he's gained weight. Like, so I'm going to tell you why. Too. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's because WWE is such an aesthetic. And, and I'm not even saying they shouldn't be. It's a television product. The people should look good. Or at minimum, they should match their gimmick. I'm not saying you have to look like a Greek god. But you, you should you know you need to look good or you at least need to match your gimmick. And quite honestly, in the WWE setting, his body looked like shit. And it's like in MMA, it doesn't matter nearly as much if you can go and you have charisma and you can win your fights. It matters. I'm not saying it doesn't matter at all. Look always matters in any facet of entertainment. Okay, but it's like he did not look good, especially next to Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar looks like he can murder anybody on the planet. Cain Velasquez does not. You can overcome it and you can, you know, that, you know, book him in such a way where he ultimately ends up with that kind of credibility. But on a visual level, for the people who don't, for the 10 year old sitting at home watching SmackDown, who has no clue who this guy is. Okay. He, he doesn't look imposing or threatening at all i mean he he honestly looked like she looked like a fucking melted candle yeah. but go ahead no and, and and some of the things that that they told me it was like you know and, and again i don't follow mma really extensively so so maybe you can kind of clue this in. i know you're not as you know follow it as much as as maybe used to but they said you know i was like well you know what's what's this you know what's the future of him in fighting and they're like yeah he's got like he's got some issues i think his back's hurt his knees hurt and uh, man, well, Rich, he was wearing a, Rich, he was wearing a giant knee brace. That's what I was gonna say. Is like you know, you talked about the shirt and the aesthetics of that. To me, the the worst aesthetics is that guy can't move his knees. The guy runs out to the ring, or, or <laughs> not runs, walks out to the ring, and he's wearing a knee brace over his jeans. And I'm like, that's a bad start. Like that's not good. And I've heard from people as well that like he he the reason he's not doing as much fighting, the reason he's maybe not in as good a shape as he used to be, is that his back and his neck and his knees are just shot. So like. In terms of doing cardio, in terms of doing that stuff, he really can't do it on the level to be as maybe effective of a fighter as he wants to be these days. And when they're saying that, I'm like, all right, well, you know what? And then they're like, well, how did he look in wrestling? And I'm like, well, he was in there, you know, in, in six man tags or whatever, so it's fine. He tags in, he does his two things, and he gets out. Eh, you know, that might that's probably not going to be what's going to happen uh, in WWE. So that is a little concerning as well. Is that can his body hold up even to even if it is only one match, but but or even if it's only a couple matches or whatever? That's got me a little bit concerned uh, as well for him because yeah, he did not aesthetically didn't look good, and his body didn't really like in terms of physical like physically he didn't look like a guy who could jump into the ring and have a a, a, a competent pro wrestling match uh, anytime soon. But um, 
real quick, as we're talking about this, you were saying uh, updates here. Uh, Mark Riamondi, I believe, is the uh, the name here. No, he's an MMA reporter. I think he's at ESPN right now. Uh, says here, quote, Velasquez is not officially, this came out a, a few minutes ago after we were recording this. Actually, as we were talking, it came up, so I'm glad it did. Uh, says, quote here, Velasquez has not officially put pen to paper with WWE, uh, but they're getting there. Him showing up tonight on SmackDown came together in the last 24 hours or so. Uh, the UFC was aware he'd be doing this appearance and gave the okay. So he's very reliable as well. So I'm not, uh, if he's saying it, there's there's some backing there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they must be confident that they can get him signed if they were going to do this big angle with him where he essentially punked out their biggest star. So I wouldn't really be concerned with that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the angle came off great. There's some concerns there with with Kane. Uh, a big theme coming out of this is there's a lot of people saying that Kofi deserved better. Where do you stand on that? I mean, to me, it's like, what more do you – I mean, look, he came out of nowhere and got over as a replacement – uh, for Ali, and for once, the company went with it, which is great because normally they never go with it when someone gets over organically. And it's like, for once, they went with it, and and that was good. And they changed all of their plans, and they peaked the story at WrestleMania. It was the best match at WrestleMania. It was a tremendous moment. It was like you know the career pinnacle. And to that point, I got no problem with how they handled Kofi. It was handled to perfection, and I I will praise the company for actually going with something for once instead of saying, you know what? This isn't what we wanted, so let's squash it now. They didn't do that with Kofi. They said, fuck it. Let's just go with it, and that's great. The problem was, and what was quickly shown, is that people – that's the story they wanted, and, it, it, and Kofi on top as the ace is just not what people wanted. And all the business metrics tell you that his reactions at the paper, Rich, that reaction at the last pay per view. I mean, come on, you know. And and the match quality wasn't there in terms of the pay per view of the big title defenses. Um, and I really feel like what the Kofi reign was. And before people get mad at me. Okay, I'm not comparing Kofi Kingston to Dusty Rhodes. Don't send me your angry tweets that Kofi Kingston is never going to be as. I understand that Dusty Rhodes is a star a hundred times the magnitude of Kofi Kingston, but just hear me out when I make this point. The Kofi Kingston title win should have been a Dusty Rhodes title win. Dusty Rhodes had what three NWA World Title wins? I should know that off the top of my head. Was I it three think or so? Four yeah, you would know more than me, I think, off the top of it's, your head. But yeah, I think it's the either point three here, or four. So the, the point here is. Dusty Rhodes, it's, it's a very similar story, okay, in that the story with Dusty Rhodes was the title win. And you had to give Dusty Rhodes those title wins or it would have annoyed fans and they would have given up on the territory. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Like eventually Dusty had to prevail after all of the turmoil he goes through and, 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 and everything else. At some point, Dusty had to get there. But here's the thing about Dusty Rhodes. He never held the title for longer than like a month. Because the story with Dusty Rhodes was not the title reign. It was the title win. And it loses something after that. Okay? Uh, we, nobody – the world didn't need Dusty Rhodes to hold the NWA world title for three years. Okay? That, that wasn't the idea. It never would have worked. What the world – what the fans wanted and what they – what the fans wanted in those scenarios is for Dusty to just finally vanquish Ric Flair. 
and beat his cocky ass and take that title. Okay? But Dusty, he'd always lose it right back. Okay? And that was okay. Because that was the essence of Dusty's character. To me, that's what Kofi was. It was this organic story that came out of nowhere, and the story was the was the title win. Okay? Kofi Kingston wasn't built to be a company ace. He just wasn't. And, you know, it would have been more advent. It probably, you know, if this Fox thing wasn't on the horizon, he probably would have lost it much sooner than he did. I really believe at that point, though, it was just, let's just have this as a holding pattern until we get the Fox. We got to find a way to get Brock, the universal, you know, the, the whole thing with Rollins. We got to find a way to get that feud over with, which they did. And then we could move Brock to the big show and put that title on our biggest star. And it's like, so from that perspective, I, you know, this idea that Kofi deserved better than a five-second loss. Uh, okay, I mean, what, what do you want him to go 50-50 with Brock when you're going to run this huge angle with Cain Velasquez, which, is, which they're counting on to be a money angle? I mean, Kofi's story was over. It was time to move on to, you know, bigger things. And that's not even being disrespectful, in my opinion, to Kofi Kingston. Okay, uh, it, it's it's he was a Dusty Rhodes type champion, and that I think people badly wanted him to win it, and he did. But after that, it's like, all right, well, now what do we do? He's he's, you know. So I don't know. Where do you stand on this being the end for Kofi? Was this disrespectful? Was I mean, what, where do you stand on this? Did he deserve better? Like, what what do you think? Yeah. So I mean, I mean, the match sucked. I mean, it, it absolutely sucked. If you're invested in the Kofi Kingston story, and if you're invested in what's going to happen here and all this sort of stuff, it sucked. I mean, the guy didn't get one offensive maneuver. He tried one move. Brock skirted it, threw him in the F five, and pinned him, and it was over. And it's like, oh fuck! Like that was months and months and months that ends in five seconds. And and it is disheartening. I get it. If you were invested in that story, it is super disheartening. But I, there, there's two things I'll say here. A, like you said, it, it it doesn't take away or diminish or whatever you want to say of anything that happened before this period. He still has WrestleMania. He still has this run or whatever. If you want to hang your hat on, hey, look, Kofi Kingston came out of nowhere. The company went with him. He won the title at WrestleMania in a really awesome moment. And then, yeah, there were ups and downs, but goddammit, that guy who who a year ago was nobody would have ever even imagined would be in this world title picture. He got the world title, he held the world title, and he 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 kept it and he, you know, he came into the Fox. Uh, you know, he came into SmackDown on Fox as the champion or whatever. If you want to hold your head, you could still that nothing got taken away from that. But it does feel like a gut punch. I get it. I get why it feels like, like a gut punch to people, but I will counter with. What do you fucking expect from this company anymore? It is on you. If if you are honestly disappointed by something, it, it, it all, and, and, and Joe, it all goes back to Brock, too. It all goes back to Brock. We shouldn't ignore that aspect of it, too. If it was somebody else beating Kofi in five seconds, there wouldn't be as much vitriol as there is. But it's the Brock thing. They've seen Brock do this now for four or five years. He comes in, does his little shots, beats people in a minute, goes away, comes back, beats people in a minute, goes away, comes back. You know, And, and, and you and I, we're, we're, we're still on board because we still think Brock, and, and, and I'm not speaking, you know, I, I think I'm speaking for you, and you can chime in if not, but like we still love Brock because he feels unique. He feels different. It feels like when he's on the screen, business is picked up. Some, you've got to keep your eyeballs on it. Something is going to happen. When he comes out, it's important. It's not just a mundane episode of Raw. It's not a mundane episode of SmackDown. Something is happening. You, you know, you have to watch his matches. And I get where there's a lot of people that don't enjoy that, that, that are sick of Brock Lesnar, that are annoyed at Brock Lesnar, that, that, that think it's bullshit that he comes in here and wins these titles and goes away after everybody else works hard all year round. But, like, w- wake up. Wake, fucking open your eyes. This is what they've been doing. It's on you now if you get upset about this. 
You know, it, it, it's free. I understand that maybe you feel like a gut punch of Kofi, but we told you. I mean, anybody listening to the show, we told you five weeks ago, six when we heard that Brock was going to be on SmackDown Live. Hell, even before they announced Brock on SmackDown Live, we said Kofi's ass is losing that title night one, and it's probably going to be to Brock Lesnar. And it's probably going to be in a minute. We were off by 55 seconds. It was five seconds. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like I maybe thought Kofi was going to get two moves in, but Brock was going to beat him. It wouldn't. Have, people would still be the same upset if he got two moves in and then Brock still beat him. This is all particularly egregious, but it shows you what they think, who they think their stars are. They think Brock Lesnar is their star. They don't and think Kofi is their star. And, and they're right. <laughs> and they're right. I mean, okay, listen, to be fair, didn't Kofi have six months to get over uh, as, a, as a megastar? They gave him six months with yeah. that title. I mean, and and he was he was clearly less over as champion than he was in the buildup, which is why I say he's more of a Dusty Rhodes type champion than someone who you can build your brand or your company around as an ace. Because he, he with Dusty, the money was in the chase. Okay, with Kofi, the money was in the chase, and 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 that's it. And it almost worked in his favor that there was this holding pattern until they got the Fox because it it, it gave him six months to sustain that momentum. Oh, absolutely. And, I, I think and, I honestly thought that they were maybe going to have him drop it to Orton before it, they even went on SmackDown and then Orton would just get beat by Brock or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> the way it worked is the way. And like you're saying, because they had this weird like, ah, you know what? Let's just hold it off. Let's hold it off until Fox. You're absolutely right. Like this could have been done in, in, in three months ago. They could have done this. But. In some way, but but you know, and 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 to your point too, you mentioned how like you know, Brock is the bigger star. Brock is more over than than Kofi, and some of that is self fulfilling prophecy as well. They've told you that Brock is the only guy that matters in this company, and that's where I come down when I see people going, "This is bullshit. I can't believe this." Yada yada yada. Well, your ass is going to be back next week watching this, complaining about Brock. Like who? You know, the onus is on you at this point. Like, why are you surprised that they were going to do this with Brock Lesnar? You really, honestly, in your heart of hearts, tuned in. Got in your couch, turned on SmackDown on Fox, and said, "Oh boy, I can't wait for Kofi and Brock to go 15, 20 minutes, and Kofi to almost maybe do it." Or, "Hey, Kofi beats him." Like, what did you fucking think was going to happen? Like, you are not allowed. I'm, I'm honestly, at this point in 2019, you are not allowed to get upset when Brock Lesnar comes in and beats somebody in a minute, because that is on you. They have told you this is what we're going to do with Brock Lesnar, and this is what we think of Brock Lesnar, and this is what we think of everybody else on this roster. But, but, but listen. Doesn't the angle work better if he just beats the guy in five seconds? Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm more speaking. I'm kind of doing a straw man here of people that are getting upset about this. And I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, you're an idiot if you're getting upset about this. It's on but you. I mean, I, but I love it. Yeah, perfect. Fuck it. He's done. Me, Here's the star. Let's go. Yeah, like. you, you, you want Brock smirking and being cocky and saying this is too easy, right? And, and then Kane coming out and then Kane getting that short physical advantage and you go, whoa. You know, Kofi Kingston was no match for this guy, but this Kane, wow, this is incredible. Finally, right, right. Somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah, I saw a tweet and about it like, that they're like, I, I saw somebody and it wasn't anybody that really matters or whatever, but it was just kind of funny because I just wanted to scream. Yes, that's the fucking point because they were like, oh, the guy that just beat the champion in five seconds just got punked out by like the new guy. I'm like, yes, exactly. Yeah, pro that's, wrestling. That's pro wrestling. That's what it that's is. That's the angle. Is. Yeah, yeah that's, you're, you're trying to get Kane over. <laughs> so the idea is if you're trying to get Kane over, the best thing to do is for Brock to completely dominate the other guy. Exactly. Okay, you know, you have to, you can't, to have a 15 minute back and forth match, then it's not so impressive when Cain Velasquez comes down and beats up a sweaty, tired, gassed Brock Lesnar. What, that, 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 listen, this might be what's hard to accept for people. Okay, 
the goal in the final 15 minutes of SmackDown was to get Kane Velasquez over. Kofi Kingston does not matter. Listen, that's just a hard truth. Kofi Kingston does not matter in this scenario. What you do with Kofi next week, we can break that down at at another time. This week, the goal is to get Kane over. Okay, and I would not have done anything different. I thought the final 15 minutes of SmackDown, other than Kane's physical appearance, were perfect. So, um, you know, maybe Kofi has that dusty magic where there is money and another Kofi chase at some point. But here's the thing about that. I think the long six-month title reign might have sucked the juice out of that too. I think had Kofi lost the next night after WrestleMania or lost on the next pay-per-view, whatever the fuck, lost quickly the way Dusty used to, then there's still that thirst for him to chase again. Do you see what I'm saying? Which is why all of those Dusty chases worked. And But now that we've seen him hold the title for six months, right, and we were all kind of like, eh, I don't know that there's going to be that hunger to see him chase again. I don't know, though. I have to see how fans react to him next week and, you know, next month and what they do with him. But that's kind of my gut reaction on that one. You kind of already fucking played this out by giving him the long run. And maybe fans are like, okay, we had that story. It wasn't as good after he won it. We're kind of done with it. But we'll see. Mm Mm-hmm. But right now, it's all about getting Kane Velasquez over. That's all that matters because Kane and Brock can be a difference-making program for them. They see Kane and Brock as something that can increase their network subscriptions when Kane finally has a match because you're going to save his first match for a pay-per-view. If you don't save his first match for a pay-per-view, you're out of your goddamn mind. I guess we should address that. Do you agree with me there? Uh, I guess. I mean, well, here's the thing, though. We're going to see what these Fox numbers come up with. And this could be, like, again, I'm not saying they're going to rush Kane here in in the next two weeks or whatever, but if that number comes in not good and there's some issues there or whatever, this is a whole new, this is a whole new world now. I mean, we're going to talk about in a little bit, we're going to preview a WWE pay-per-view right now that's happening apparently in two days that has three matches announced for it. I don't know the pay-per-view matters. I don't know if the network matters number one to them right now. And I don't know if that's going to change in three months. I don't know if it's going to change in four months. If they skirt to a perfectly good rating on Fox and everyone's happy and everyone's good, then yeah. Then it'll all be about network subscriptions again. They won't have to worry. But I don't know. In this new world, if that number doesn't come in right or there's some drops or there's some whatevers, we don't know what the clauses are. We always talk about that. There's probably something in there for Fox to look at and say, hey, look, you guys aren't delivering on your end of the the deal. And if that that does – and I'm I'm doing a worst-case scenario thing. If that's the case – then you kind of do it on Fox, right? If that's like that's where you're making your money right now, more than anything right now, is on Fox. So I, I don't know. I like to me, no. Ideally, you would put it on pay per view and, and, and pump up network subscriptions, but I don't know. It, we don't know what this next <laughs> this new universe is going to be. If, if if Fox isn't happy and says, you know what, that Kane Brock thing that'll bring some ratings in. Why don't you put that on 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 Fox? And convince and WWE really say no. We're going to put it on our own thing. If Fox is the one cutting a billion dollar check. We're yeah. in a whole new world now, man. I don't know. I don't know the traditional booking, if that really matters anymore. Well, here's what I do know. Every measurable business metric dropped with Seth Rollins, Kofi Kingston on top. Inarguable. That's objective fact. So it's like if they want to try Brock Kane as Kane Velasquez, not the mayor if they want to try Brock and Velasquez on top as a hot new program with 
their two, inarguably their two biggest stars. If Ronda's not around, you'd throw her in the mix if she was. With with inarguably their two biggest stars on top to try to reverse their business trends, their ratings, their their network buys. Um, I don't know. Look, those guys are never going to work house shows, but you figure a hotter product means better house show attendance by you know by sheer spillover. Then I can't kill them for this. I thought that the angle came off well, and I think it's the right direction to go. I don't know. And again, we talked about Raw, whether it was last week or the week before. As much as I don't like The Fiend, okay, I think you're pot committed with The Fiend now, and there's no other decision than to go all in with The Fiend as well. I think on Raw, you go all in with The Fiend and let it sink or swim. I think it'll sink. Maybe I'm wrong. And I think on SmackDown, you go all in with Brock and Kane. Which is so very clearly, if you didn't think it was really going to be the A-show, now you know it's the A-show. When you've got Brock and Cain Velasquez uh, on top on Fox, and you've got Seth Rollins, who is a, you know, has never, you know, moved business a nickel, and 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 the experimental fiend on top on Raw. So uh, that's what I would do. I'd go all in on the fiend, on the, he would win the title easily on the pay-per-view, which we detailed last week. And, you know, but you make a good point. You may not be able to save Kane for a pay-per-view. But, I see, I think the early returns on Fox are going to be good, like we talked about when we started the show. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to take a few months for them to settle in. So, you know, but but listen, if they come out at a gate with $3 million tomorrow, and look, the rating will be out by the time a lot of people listen to this. But I'm just saying, if they come out with a bad number tomorrow – then, then you might be on to something. But if they're starting on high ground, if they come out with six and a half million, it's going to take a few weeks to whittle that down. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. My, my biggest thing, too, is, is is there's that. And then I, I have no idea. We haven't we, we don't know quite yet. We're, we're, we're not sure. We you know, this new landscape is all different. But I don't I'm always curious too what sort of influence Fox would would have. And if like somebody gets a bug in their ass in some meeting and goes, wait a minute, why? No, promote that on our show and our network. We're the one paying you a bunch of money. Why are you doing it on your, your, your streaming service or whatever? I mean, this is this is an interesting thing. It's a whole new world now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there and, and we talked about this when the deals went down is WWE is is in very very much beholden to these these networks. They're very much beholden to Fox. I mean, Fox is cutting a gigantic check to them. So Fox says, do this. Do Vince and WWE, can they really just say, no, no, we're not. We're okay, good. But, don't, but don't you want to grow the WWE network so you're not as beholden to these guys? Oh, I, I no, I agree. But 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 what if those guys say, no, fuck you. Put this on our channel. Right. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Right like now, this is that weird thing. Like game. they've never had to do this before. USA has yeah. has basically just said, "Hey, thank you WWE for keeping us number one on cable. That's all we need." Bye. And they and they then they've been great partners in that sense. They have let WWE do whatever they have wanted for years and years and years and years and years and years. TNT and Spike or whatever when they went there, it was kind of the same deal too. They were like, "Fuck, we have WWE and the height of their powers. Cool, do whatever, guys. We don't care." This is the first time that that that. WWE, in in a lot of ways, aren't playing from the the the, the place of power. Like Fox is the power here. Fox holds everything here. And I don't know what the deal says. I don't know what the, the what, what sort of caveats they have there. But I know that they cut a massive check to these guys, and that they're going to care what is going on on their network, and they're going to care what WWE does. And 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 again, I don't know if that means that they're going to demand stuff. I don't know what it is. But like the the old days of WWE just being able to do whatever the hell they wanted, and the TV network just being like, yeah, cool, whatever, man, keep it up. Like those are kind of over, I think. Unless like they come out with a gigantic number and they keep that number sustained, then Fox will just say, hey, fuck it, cool, great, awesome, keep doing what you guys are doing. 
But like you're saying, if, if the number doesn't come in, great. If, if, if there is some reservations or if Fox just decides, hey, look, you're promoting all this shit on our network to, to get people to go buy something that's not on our network. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just think that it, we're in a different universe now. That's going to be a different thing. Like, there's no way that Fox is going to be completely happy every single week with them promoting stuff off of Fox when they're the ones yeah. cutting the big check. So, right. I, you, know, you know, like, and if I, hey, if I'm Fox, I look at that too and go, nah, dude, like, you know, put Kane and Brock on here and promote this and promote that and promote MLB. And like, they're now a part of, and this is a whole new universe for WWE too. It really is. This is a whole new universe of them also being beholden to promote shit and promote the, the upcoming World Series game to promote whatever fucking stupid Fox show is going to be on pretty soon. Again, USA has been a great partner in that sense that they haven't really given a shit. They've just kind of said, do whatever, go on our network, give us good ratings, and buy. <sighs> Things change now, man. Fox is a big deal. It's a big network. You know, they're going to promote you, but they want you to promote their stuff, too. And it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that interaction works. And we're going to play the ratings game that we just played on Thursday again this weekend. So... Uh, you know, is th- three million? Would you agree that'd be a really bad number? Uh, that so yeah. So so the normal raws now are what about two point two to two point seven somewhere in that range, right? Is that what yeah. kind of the, yeah. the, the gap has been? So yeah, three is is a disaster. If on fucking Fox with all of that what, advertisement what is, a, is a disaster. So we, I'm just setting our baselines here, and again, this will be out by the time a lot of people hear it. Um, what would you consider a standing ovation number? Six million, six and a half yeah, million. Yeah, somewhere I'd say million. like five, five to six would be standing ovation. I think. So if they hit five million, you're like, that's a a, a tremendous success. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, that like almost doubles what you get on Raw, and I think that's almost kind of the minor expectation you have to have on Fox. It's network TV. We've put a bunch of muscle behind it. The Rock's here. Brock's here. Yeah, you gotta assume so that between- you gotta be in that range for sure. So between three and five million, you're like, eh, let it play out. I think so. Not great, five million, but not bad. <laughs> you know, depending on what end of that it is. If it's right at three, I'm like, eh, uh, we, we want a little bit more than that. And if it's closer to five, it's like, okay, well, whatever. We, we can move up from that. You know, that five, low end of three. Like, we're, and, we're, five, and, and five, you're saying nicely done. Yeah, I think so. And anything over six, you're like, tremendous. A rousing success. I would, yeah. That that'd be my Okay. Um anything under three, you're like, give the money back. <laughs> I mean, I right? If you can only do, you know, uh, roughly a million more people on Fox with Joe Buck putting your show over and every affiliate running commercials and all this sort of stuff, and you bring the rock out and you tell us that Brock's gonna come out, you do all this sort of stuff, all of the muscle they put into this, if that's three million dollars uh, three million viewers and you did, you know, a quarter of a million more people than watch USA and, and, and watch Raw on Mondays, then yeah, that's a disaster. An absolute disaster. Yeah. It's a billion fucking dollars. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's no, a yeah, fucking I, disaster. I, I agree. <laughs> I agree. I'm just setting the template for our show next week. Yeah. So, because we're going to be playing. And listen, if you're the kind of person and you're the kind of fan that's like, there's nothing more boring than ratings talk, blah, blah, blah. This is going to be a bad period of wrestling for you because it's back, baby. Ratings talk is back. I mean, it is a full-on war on Wednesdays. I guess is a good transition. And you know these thir- these these Friday these Friday night SmackDown numbers are going to be you know uh, examined with a fine-tooth comb as well. Uh, you know, so let's talk about Wednesday a little bit. And again, 
you know, I did my piece of audio, which ascended me to godlike status uh, behind the paywall. But we've got some additional details and whatnot to break down when it comes to – listen, there's no other way to phrase it, Rich. It was an absolute slaughter. AEW uh, beat NXT to the point of embarrassment. I mean there's no spin. It was just a complete and thorough ass-kicking in, in every measurable way. And I don't think anyone was expecting that. No. I mean – I wasn't. I, I was wrong. I was wrong. I'm not very – I'm not often wrong on the show, Joe. Very, very, very rarely am I wrong on the show. But I was wrong. I thought NXT was going to beat him. I really did. Well, even if you thought AEW was going to win, I, I saw some reasonable opinions that AEW would win. I don't think anyone thought they would win to this level that you would have gotten laughed at if you said what ultimately occurred. And the more details that come out, I mean, the more striking it is. I mean, everyone knows by now 1.4 million to 891,000. I mean, they beat them by, you know, 500,000 viewers, which is crazy when the baseline expectation given to AEW by TNT was 500,000 viewers. <laughs> which, which was laughable at the time, too. We laughed at that figure, too. We knew they'd crush that. Yeah, yeah I didn't think they fair. would nearly triple it. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think TNT is doing somersaults when the number, their baseline expectation was tripled and was actually the gap between TNT and USA was 500,000 viewers. Uh, one of the other more embarrassing numbers to me was... AEW did nearly as many viewers in the 18 to 49 demo as NXT did total viewers. Yeah. Let, let's do you want to go over some of these numbers? Like I, I, I copy and paste them from this. That, observer, one's dis- so. that one's disturbing. No, that is that is like and I didn't see a lot of people talking about that one. I think we were talking about it a lot on Twitter. I saw a lot of people just looking at the raw numbers, but that one was like the flashing red lights, boom, 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 bing, 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 and that's why I wanted to get on this show and talk about it here, too. Yeah, I know you talked we'll a lot about ratings, yeah, but that I mean, one, that no, one. that was the same one where I saw people talking about the overall number. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. That's not good. That is your core demographic, the demographic that you say that you're going after, the demographic that you have all this fucking Instagram and social media and Snapchat and all this other bullshit that you're trying to target is that demographic, and you got fucking slaughtered in that demographic, destroyed in that demographic, not even close in that demographic, and that to me was like, holy shit, if I'm in WWE offices, I look at this and go, oh my god, we've completely lost it. That's like, the most disturbing figure. Our our, our audience is dying, <laughs> and 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 I love it, Joe. Oh my god, the amount of replies saying, "Well, young people don't watch TV anymore." That's why it's like you fucking morons. Like, look yeah. at the pattern. People were watching somehow those young cord cutters that don't watch TV anymore. Fucking found TNT on their network on, on Wednesday. They sure found a way to get to TNT and reattach that cord real quick. So here's the counter to that. Okay, agreed. The data shows that young people are watching less TV than ever before. That's why that networks and advertisers are so focused on this demographic because they're hard to reach. Right, you gotta keep, you gotta keep them, gotta to capture get. them, gotta have them. And, yeah. And the young people that did so happen to watch wrestling on Wednesday night overwhelmingly chose TNT over USA. That's what matters. Not that. Young people are watching less TV than ever. Everyone knows that. You're not, you know, that's not breaking news. The news here is the young people that did watch wrestling that night overwhelmingly chose one over the other. And when you really dig into the numbers, it, it becomes even more glaring in that AEW has an audience that they can build on 
in the years to come where WWE's audience is over 50 years old and, and they're not capturing those people. WWE has a young person problem and it's glaring and AEW has shined a spotlight on it. And the demo number is the one that the advertisers and the networks care about. And again, to hammer this home, if you don't understand ratings or understand how important this is, AEW essentially did the same amount of viewers in the demo that NXT did in total. That is so enormously obscene and absurd that it cannot be stressed enough. Okay, so uh, let's go over some of these other numbers, Rich. Go yeah, ahead. let's do it. Yeah, so all this was in this week's uh, Wrestling Observer. Uh, so if you want to follow along, F4WOnline.com, you can do that. Uh, as and a as- lot of it, to be fair, a lot of it can be found on your own as well. This, this data is not – Exactly. It's not proprietary know. to Dave. You can find it all. But he, he put in a nice little package here for us to read. So. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I wanted to pump out super quick audio that day and, 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 and give people – you know, so I used the quick and dirty, but I, I got quite granular myself – but Dave and the Observer went super granular, which we'll talk about. David Bixenspan, I think, on Deadspin went super deep as well. So um, uh, we're going to go over some of those uh, even deeper figures than I than, than I went on on uh, behind the paywall. But go ahead. All right. So it says, uh, quote here, the night when it came to ratings was a big win for AEW, drawing 1.4 million viewers uh, to 891,000 uh, 891, for NXT. Uh, more important because for the stations themselves, this was a battle about the 18 to 49 demo where AEW placed second for the night behind only the Major League Baseball wildcard game that did a 1.03 in the demo uh, and 3.9 million, uh, just under 4 million viewers. Uh, AEW did a .86 and 878 in uh, 878,000 viewers in 18 to 49, while NXT did a .32 and 414 viewers. So right there, again, if you look at the numbers there, overall, and that's what Joe was talking about. Overall, NXT did 891. AEW did 878 in just the 18 to 49 demo. Yes, and more than doubled NXT's number in the demo. NXT did 414,000 viewers in the 18 to 49, less than half yeah. of the 878 that AEW did in the I mean that that I'm telling you right now, that is what behind the scenes people in AEW and people uh, in TNT are are ecstatic about throwing parties because that is a gap. Uh, listen, NXT is never making up that gap. I mean, that is an impossible gap. They might tighten it in total viewers. Uh, we'll see. But that gap is fucking enormous and had to be terrifying to the people in WWE when when these numbers and, – and listen, we know that it shook WWE because they tried to get ahead of the story by sending a press release. Oh, yeah. When that press came out, it was like, oh, boy, they got slaughtered. Oh, boy. They got here's, killed. Here's the exact, here's the exact wording of this. Uh, congratulations to AEW on a successful premiere. The real winners of last night's head-to-head telecasts uh, of NXT on USA Network and AEW on TNT are the fans who can expect Wednesday nights to be a competitive and wild ride as this is a marathon, not a one-night sprint. AK, we got fucking slaughtered. That was a red flag. That was, oh, <laughs> shit. These numbers are horrendous. And we need to get ahead of this. I mean, what a fascinating day Thursday was. But uh, but anyway, uh, go ahead. Yeah, it's not a company that gets humbled very often. And this was, uh, was certainly one of them. So, again there. Uh, another factor is that when you add the replay numbers, which you don't officially have at this point, but was around 650,000 viewers 
for AEW as well, which is uh, not too far behind a typical Raw and pretty much identical to what SmackDown has been doing Tuesdays on USA. So the, even the replay for AEW uh, had pretty good numbers. And I did want to make one little caveat here because I know some people might be listening and thinking, well, the demographics of the channels or whatnot. Joe, you know, you, you know American TV. Would you consider TNT like a young person channel? I wouldn't. I, don't watch, even I, I watch TNT for basketball. And you watch, that's you watch, probably right. Like, you, watch, you watch TNT for basketball, and then you never think about TNT I, again. Joe, if you told me list five shows that are regular on TNT, I don't think I could do that. Yeah, no, it's could not. You? A, I, I mean, here's here's when Rich Krejci puts on TNT basketball and NCAA tournament first round when they have <laughs> right, it. Yeah, TNT, exactly. TBS. Yeah, that, I mean, you're never looking at it again. So, no, that's – and even if it was, what's the difference? The numbers are what they are. Right. Well, I could see some people being like, oh, well, because it's a channel with young people watch. So that's why young people are watching it, though. And it's like, no, I don't think that many oh, young well, people are watching. Right. But who cares? Exactly. Right. <laughs> They're still getting no, those fans. It so it's, 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 you know, the numbers are what they are. But um, Watching this uh, is Claws, Joe. Claws. Have you ever watched Claws? I don't even what know what the hell Animal that is. Kingdom. <laughs> Animal Kingdom's a big show for them. Animal Kingdom's a big show for them. That's not like safari footage. That's a uh, oh, it's like a drug. She's like a. It's like a a grandma that's like a narco's. It's like narco's grandma, right? It's a drama. Yeah, it's it's a drama. Yeah, and that's a big show for them. Well, TNT they know drama, so I'm not surprised. That's right. At least I know their tagline. (laughs) See, maybe I knew it a little bit more. But I pretty much only know TNT from watching Marv Albert have to like through gritted teeth talk about Animal Kingdom coming up this Tuesday on TNT. We know drama. All right, (laughs) Christian. Chris Jericho. Um, <laughs> Remember that freak out? <laughs> yeah. You want Marv, yeah. fucking Marv Albert. Fucking 65 year old Marv Albert to know who Chris Jericho yeah. is. Oh, if Marv Albert doesn't know, Marv Albert, the last wrestling Marv Albert watched was Bruno. Maybe. <laughs> like, Remember how Chris Jericho spelled Doom for AEW because uh, Marv Albert didn't know how to pronounce his name? <laughs> Have you seen some of these NFL promos for SmackDown? On oh, my games? God, yeah. Well, they're just openly making fun of wrestling while it's happening. Where, you know, they're trying their best, but that's the thing. They're not even openly making fun of it. They're trying their best to put it over, and they're just coming off poorly because they none of them know any of the wrestlers. And 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 it's funny how the same people who said Chris Jericho was going to be a disaster uh, conveniently ignore that these you know in-game promos uh, during Fox NFL have been a thousand times worse. It doesn't matter whether Mark Schlereth knows who Rey Mysterio is or not. It does not fucking matter if Marv Albert knows how to pronounce Chris Jericho, which he should know because Jericho is not even like that's like a word. Yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of a bad job out of Marv there. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, I mean, he could, he, could, he pronounced Giannis Antetokounmpo every single week, but he can't get Jericho. <laughs> I mean, Do people not remember when UFC was on Fox and the Fox NFL announcers would botch all of those UFC names of like, you know, because those aren't even gimmick names. Those are like guys that are just Bulgarian with these impossible to pronounce. They would always you know, botch the pronunciation. Nobody cares. It does not make a difference. All that matters is you get that graphic on the screen that says SmackDown's coming to Fox this Friday. Put it on. Right. That's all that matters. All right, let's go here. NXT. So these are the NXT ratings. We'll start with them. Uh, 0.15 in the 12 to 17. That's up 25% from last week. 0.23 in 18 to 34, up 15% from last week. So they were up in the 18 to 34 range. So more 18 to 34 year olds were watching it than they were watching it the prior week. But we'll get to that in a sec because, of course, AEW did a little bit better in that. Uh, 0.41 in the 35 to 49. Now that was down 6.8% from last week. So a lot of the kind of older fans. Uh, down this week 
in uh, and, and, and some prices probably, you know, of course, going to AEW there. And then 0.36 in 50 plus, that's down 25% from last week as well. So uh, Dave says here, the increases under 34 were what you would expect for the more loaded uh, show, but over 35, they were hurt. Uh, the show did a 64.1% males in 18 to 49 and 49% male in 12 to 17. Last week was 63.5% and 61.5% respectively. So here's, here's all that matters with all of these demo breakdowns. AEW beat, crushed them in every one of them, except except for 50 plus 50 plus was the only demo that NXT won. And it's the one that, uh, that, that television people ignore. Yeah. Well, actually what's interesting about that though. is So, so, so the differences in the 50 plus is NXT is 0.36. AEW is 0.34. So it's very close in that 50 plus. The thing that I look at is, is NXT was down 25% from last week in that 50 plus. So the ones that they did have, a lot of them did actually go over to AEW, too, or just didn't watch TV at all. I I presume that the fans that were watching NXT last week didn't just say, well, I'm done with wrestling this week and didn't move over. So, yeah, go ahead. The 50-plus, you know, people that watch WWE are just old-school wrestling fans who have nothing, uh, no other wrestling to watch. This week they did, and they watched the other show. That's why the 50-plus was down 25%. Uh, from last week for NXT, right? Because well, exactly, a lot of yeah. people said, "Well, I got another option, something I might actually enjoy on the other channel." That's what happened there. So it's like they barely won that demo against it. But I just thought it was funny that's the only demo they won. Those other demos you mentioned, AW more than doubled NXT in every one of those younger demos. They essentially doubled them in every one of them. They more than doubled in twelve in the in the teenage demo. They exactly doubled them up in the 18 to 34, and they essentially doubled them up in the 35 to 49. Young people who the advertisers and the networks covet overwhelmingly chose AEW over NXT. And to me, that's the big story here that we'll talk about as as we move forward. Go ahead. All right, so AEW now, 0.36 in the 12 to 17, 0.56 in the 18 to 34, uh, 0.80 in 35 to 49. So that's a huge, that's huge. number for them, them. Yeah, the that 35 is huge. to 49. So, uh, that and, is such a huge win for them. I mean, that that's huge. Yeah, and, and those fans too, and if you think about that, there's, there's, there's some interesting traction with those fans because those are people that grew up with WCW. You know, those are people that do know of wrestling on TNT, and and apparently they were able to get them, you know, doubled, you know, to what NXT had. So that's a lot of fans either leaving, you know, because down six point uh, or six point eight percent NXT was in that demo, and then yeah, point eight for the thirty five to forty nines. That's a lot of fans leaving NXT to go to watch AEW, and maybe a lot of fans that hadn't been watching wrestling in a while that remember WCW and remember wrestling on TNT moving over there because that's a huge number for that thirty five to forty nine. So here, here's all you need to know: AEW beat. Raw and SmackDown significantly in viewers under 34. Not NXT. AEW, let me repeat that. AEW beat both Raw and SmackDown significantly in viewers under 34. And the only edge that that uh, NXT had was, was, again, as we talked about, that over 50. I mean, that, that's rich. That's huge. And I don't think enough people are talking about this. They're already beating Raw and SmackDown in, in, in viewers under 34, which is crazy. And they just got started. Now, you have to put on a good show and get those people to keep coming back. That's a big thing here. And that's what we'll talk about in the weeks moving forward. 
But and then the teenage numbers, if you want to get into those, this oh, is wow. <laughs> These are something else. Yeah, let's do this right here. In justling a teenagers, Dave said this as well. Boys, so teenage boys saw AW with head-to-head competition from a WWE product and only the first episode beat unopposed raw by 37.5%. Teenage boys, 37.5% more watched AEW this week than watched Raw. Yeah. That's, and the, again, red flags if I'm a WWE. That's and, bad. And, it, and they beat SmackDown by 42.1% with Teenage Boys. Yeah, and 239% over NXT. I mean, that is, yeah. if that's not on the Bolton board saying, okay, we got an issue. We are not speaking to Teenage Boys, and those are fans of the future. Those are me in 1998. You got me in 1998, and I've never left. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you got me in 1997, and I'm still fucking here doing this. You need the teenage boy demographic. That's a huge that's, demographic and, for them. And that's why I say WWE has a young person problem, okay? Because they are not getting the teenagers. It's like the younger you get, the less they're capturing. They're getting those 50-plus. That's their, like, median viewer. We've been, we've been harping on that. Okay, you know, they they the higher end of the demo, they're getting some of those people, the lower end of the demo under 34, AEW is already ahead of them. Okay, and then when you get down to teenagers, they're just not getting the many. The younger you get, the less people are watching and they're and they're they gear their 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 goal is to capture young people. And they just don't. Yeah. They fail miserably. Well, what's actually ca- pretty funny is, and, and Dave's always brought this up too, and if you look at like Attitude Era numbers, like people have this assumption that when the Attitude Era happened, it was just like all like older teenagers and older people watching for the, the steamy sex scenes and all the crazy stuff. No, it was young kids. It was me and my friends. Like We wanted to watch that shit because it was, it was risque and, and we felt cool watching it. But now when you sort of say, hey, this is a show for kids, the last thing that's going to happen is kids watch it. Because when you tell teenagers, hey, this is our show for you, cool dudes, it's like the last thing they do is watch it. They don't want to watch shows for themselves. They want to watch shows that they feel like they, they you know, it, so they've, they've completely lost that. And, and these numbers oh, were staggering, look, too. Look, Rich, nobody thinks Seth Rollins is cool. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just, you know, I mean, you know, kids, teenagers don't think New Day is cool throwing pancakes. I mean, they have this idea of what they think people think is cool, and it's not. You know, and, 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 and that's the problem here. They have a young person problem, and it's bad, and it's glaring, and AEW, all they've done is magnify it. But um, just skipping around here, you know, the 18 to 34-year-old males um, uh, beat Raw by 39.9%, SmackDown by 36.4%, and NXT head-to-head by 158%. I mean, these are not small numbers, Okay. This is this is these are huge glaring numbers. 18 to 34 year old women, AEW beat Raw by 13.5 percent, SmackDown by 37 percent, and beat NXT by 48. That one, that that one too. Not to interrupt you there, but that's another one too because WWE has done, I, I think, in the last five years, a lot of effort to try to appeal to women by by producing you know a lot more women's wrestling, a lot more you know conscious women's rights, like good women's rights, like, like all that sort of stuff of, of making it, hey, look, we respect women, the women of the revolution, all this sort of stuff. And for that to happen as as glaring as it did right off the bat there, where women exceedingly go over to AEW, who has, you know, and, and we'll admit to a pretty piss poor women's division, for them to go over there is interesting. I, I, I really, because that's another one I don't want to lose from WWE. I don't want to lose any of these from WWE, but that's another one too that I feel like, fuck, how do we not win that with Rich, all that we've done? You have brought it up on this show. And I brought it up behind the paywall on Thursday. But 
the dirty little secret about the women's revolution is that it has not drawn female viewers. Right. They don't care. They don't want to watch it. Do not care. It's 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 women and that, are and that's not, in the data too. We should say that we're not just saying that. Data, look at the data. Right, look look at rating patterns it. every single week. We've talked about it on the show too, but yeah. Yeah, we just read it to you. And and it's in the and it and it's in the in the ratings patterns. This is objective. It's it has not connected with women. The the women's right. It's like and all of it they've tried. You know, when you look at characters like Sasha Banks and the Riot Squad and fucking Liv Morgan and all it, it, women in particular young women don't care. It hasn't attracted them. So um that's you know, it, it's it just it just hasn't worked. And to just come out of the gate with a brand new show and draw more women viewers is is again has to be very scary when they've put all of that effort into improving their their women's division in WWE and you know to the point where they main event in WrestleMania and rightfully so with a Ronda Rousey match. Which, you know, I don't think anybody really argued too hard that it shouldn't have main evented. That's how far they've come in terms of pushing the women and treating them differently. But the female viewers have have not responded and no one really talks about that. So uh, what else we got here? All right, so with some other things here. Um, uh, conversely, once you get to uh, 35 to 49, uh, both Raw and SmackDown have solid edges with both men and women, although AEW basically doubled uh, NXT, so that's the 35 to 49. Uh, over right. 50. And, NXT- and, and, oh, yeah, go on, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, this, so just, yeah, so this is what we're talking about. The older you get, the closer it gets. Right. Until eventually, the next point you're going to make, WWE does overcome AEW once you hit. Go ahead. Uh, the over 50. So yeah, over 50 NXT beats AEW slightly, and Raw beats AEW 0.99 to 0.34, and SmackDown beats it 0.97 to 0.34. So old people are not watching AEW that first week. They didn't watch AEW that first week, and they watched WWE. So that's good. <laughs> you know, if I'm WWE, I go, yeah, that's cool. But no TV network in the world, no no company in the world really gives a shit uh, about the 50 plus. Maybe Fox News, but other than that, like nobody else really is saying, hell yeah, we got the 50 plus. There we go, guys. All right, let's move on. <laughs> like, listen, having a ton of viewers isn't a bad thing. No, it's no, like it's having, good. Yeah, it's like having a lot of RBIs in baseball. Like, it's not bad to have 140 RBIs, right? But how much does it really mean, right? That that's kind of the the, the comparison I can make. In that, you know, all of these Fox News shows will do, you know, six million viewers a night, but they'll get crushed in the demo. Okay, so yeah, you're going to get reverse mortgage ads, and you're going to get commemorative coin ads, and things like that. Gold, yeah, <laughs> trade all your money in for gold, cause... right? And People... fucking life alert and everything else. Right. But and and but you're not going to get, um, you know, top paying advertising. You're not going to get fucking, um, you know, the the same type of advertisers that shows that crush it and the demos do, and you're not going to make the same kind of money. So. Um, those commemorative coin ads. Anytime I, I like, I'm in a doctor's office and they're playing Fox News. I'm like, oh god damn it! I, I, there's so many commemorative coin ads. I'm like, who's buying these? Why are you buying them? Like, I'm sure there's a grandma somewhere that's like, oh, <laughs> like the, the inaugural, like you know, oh, Alaska became a state, you know, 100 years ago. I better buy that coin. Right. Like, like why are you buying that? But you know, hey, well, it's working. It's, hey, it must be working, man. They're they're throwing those up there every single time. So. Your, your grandmother and your great aunt buy those and they give them to you for Christmas, <laughs> right? And then you put them in the closet and never right. look at it. Exactly. Oh, did you know Alaska became a state 150 years ago? Oh, yeah, no, no, I didn't, but cool. And, and you thank her and you give her a hug and, you know, you, you put it in the closet and you never look at it again. But that, you know, and reverse mortgage scams and Wilford Brimley talking about diabetes and those are the kind of commercials you get. So, um, 
you know, there's not, again, there's nothing wrong with having a shit blood ton pressure of medication. Yeah, you get a lot of blood pressure medication. So, so that's good. Maybe WWE needs to start showing some more of those ads. Here's the difference: WWE is not doing a shit ton of viewers either. Okay, at least fucking you know whoever I, don't, I couldn't even name a Fox News show. Uh, name one. Yeah, random blonde white woman complains about something. Yeah, that's right. Show. So it's like even though it's like at least you know that's doing a, a, a shit ton of total viewers, even if it's small in the demo. WWE shows aren't doing a shit ton of total viewers, and 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 a lot of those viewers are in the fifty plus, and it's it's the complete opposite of what AEW did coming out of the gate. Which shows you that the average viewer age of WWE is a WWE problem, not a wrestling problem. Which was something that we weren't really sure of until this past week, you know. And of course, it has to sustain. But what we're what's opening our what we're, our eyes are being opened up to is this is a WWE issue, and that younger people might be interested in wrestling, but it's got to be good wrestling that appeals to them, and not whatever the fuck this overproduced super glossy vision and and shitty storytelling version of wrestling that wwe is producing that they think is what people want but we're quickly being taught might not be the case so what was also surprising to me rich at least for young people but what was also surprising to me rich is also wasn't NXT supposed to be the young hip brand? Yes. In WWE? Yeah, I think that was the thing too. Is if if these numbers were up against a Raw or whatever, I would say, yeah, I get it, man. Raw's an institution. People, old people watch Raw, like people. But NXT is supposed to be for us. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be for me. Yeah. It's you know wrestlers that I grew up with. Or, you know, I I watched you know emerge from the scene. People in the demo is what right. you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. The long and the short of it is people in the 18 to 49, or even more, you know, aggressively that 18 to 34 demographic yeah. should be all in on NXT and they aren't even less so than Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, it's it's staggering. Which, especially when put up against something uh an alternative. So, it's like that was even more surprising to me which shouldn't have been because, you know, week 2 they really suffered and dropped in all of those demos if you recall last week, which I think we just quickly glossed over, but it's like people checked out NXT week 1 and, uh, you know, it dropped week two. And that same thing could happen to AEW next week. This is the thing. If you're new to this, if you're 25 years old and you don't remember the original Monday Night War and you don't remember, it's a new narrative every week. Right, Rich? It's like we can come on here next week and be burying AEW. Sure. Because things shifted. It's a new narrative every week. So we'll see what happens next week. But – what was surprising to me was the young hip WWE brand, or at least how it's presented. Uh, it got slaughtered even worse than Raw and SmackDown in the prime demos. And the other thing was NXT had a two week head start to build storylines and build up to this show. They had the advantage of a 15 minute overrun that was granted to them by uh, by longtime promotional partner USA. They had a takeover level lineup on paper with three title matches. They had a huge main roster surprise in the first 22 minutes of the show. They had no commercial breaks for the first 30 minutes. They had um, um, strategically placed commercial breaks that USA agreed to match uh, TNT's commercial breaks so that they didn't have channel flipping. They had that advantage as well. And they also had – what they also did was they invited the wrestling press to tour the performance center – 
the day before the two shows went head to head in order to curtail coverage of, of AEW. And in a lot of cases that worked. Uh, Ryan's and I'm not knocking any of these people. Ryan Satin was in the performance center on Wednesday as, a, as an example, other reporters uh, took them up on that offer and toured the performance center and spent all day Wednesday talking about the performance center and NXT on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm sorry, Tuesday. Yeah. Our invite okay. must've got lost in the mail. Cause I didn't, uh, I didn't get it. Joe, did you, uh, you toss yours uh, away or uh, what happened? I mean, you know, I wouldn't have went anyway. <laughs> no, I'm not going to fucking Florida. Are you kidding me? But yeah, you know, it would have been nice to know. You know, but hey, whatever. You know, you're missing our demo there. That's cool. That's cool, guys. It's fine. I had no interest in visiting the performance center. None. But, uh, but you know, and other reporters saw through it and didn't go. Like Dave Meltzer said, I got a job to do. I can't be <laughs> bouncing around Florida on fucking Wednesday when I got, you know what I mean? So it's like, but again, I'm just highlighting all of the things because WWE, this is not their first go around. Okay, they know how these things work. Oh, absolutely. This was a coordinated war effort. Coordinated. So you have all of those all of those advantages they had. The two week head start, the takeover lineup, Finn Balor showing up, um, you know, trying to fuck with the media, having thirty minutes commercial free, having strategically placed commercials, and they still got their ass kicked by AEW. The only advantage AEW had was it was the premiere and you get the curiosity views. Other than that, Rich, AEW just ran their TV show. Okay, they didn't, you know, hot shot any angles. They didn't do a thousand title matches. The, the week one dynamite, I think, is going to closely look like the week eighteen dynamite. I mean, they didn't really do anything super special. While WWE clearly stacked the deck, and they still got destroyed. Right, and it's not that sustainable too. And that's the biggest thing is I had a lot of people saying, okay, well, what does NXT do next? Like, what's the next thing? The next, And that's the issue with if you just blow all this stuff out and go, okay, boom, 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 here you go. Here's everything we have. And this is the numbers that happens. And this is sort of the result of it. Then where do you go from here? And, and that's well, thing I've heard from a lot of people. And I guess it's like fucking Roman Reigns is going to be showing up and John Cena is going to be showing up. And just, fucking yeah. uh, the Hulkster is going to be there saying, hey, dudes, I heard all the all the good wrestling happens on NXT, brother. And it's like that's because that's and, 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 and that's the playbook. The problem, though, is a lot of people said, well, is that is that a good playbook? Is that what's going to change it? And the answer to me is probably no. I mean, it doesn't change not raw right now. We're seeing it right now. You get little ticks up there with with Flair and Hogan, but that it, it, it's a systemic issue that they've built up for years and years and years and years. And there isn't some quick fix. There isn't a snap your fingers fix. They did what they thought was the snap your fingers fix uh, on Wednesday, and it didn't. It didn't do anything. It did not help them. They got slaughtered. I don't know what that next step is. I don't I know listen. what it is. It, it's a completely I, top down, a month long, year long rebuild of, of, of everything that they do in, in their audience. I, I don't think it's Hogan coming out there and saying, hey, what's up, dudes? Like, that's not going to do it. They've got two courses of action here. Stay the course and keep getting beat because you can't put on a better pure NXT show than they put on. No, it fucking ruled. That show was great. Like at Monday or once I didn't get a chance to watch it all when we were doing the instant reaction, I've went back and watched, you know, most of it at this point, that show fucking rocked. I like that show in in a pure vacuum was better than the AEW show in a pure vacuum. That was a takeover. That was a fucking takeover with, with commercials. They emptied the tank or they can do exactly what you said. And what I said behind the payroll, that's the undertaker's music. Here comes John Cena. Or whoever the fuck. There's Kevin Owens. Or here's Shane McMahon who just got fired from SmackDown. Okay. It took – Rich, it took them 22 minutes to move someone from the main roster to NXT before they knew they got their asses kicked. Okay. So we called this. We said if it was even close, 
if NXT was winning by slim margins, that they were going to load the deck and load up that show at Main Rock. Rich, they're getting killed. There's only one way to react here. Okay? If they could move Raw or smack that, they can't. Okay? They can't do that. I bet they wish they could. So they have to turn NXT. Okay. If you're Vince McMahon sitting in your office on Thursday, obviously what you're thinking is NXT cannot compete with this show. It just cannot. This is – look at the gap. We need to turn NXT into Raw and SmackDown to even have a chance. So yeah, I think you're going to see more of that. We called it. I'm going to tell you another thing, Rich. I don't know how you feel about this. I haven't heard your opinion on this. Maybe you've heard mine. Maybe you haven't. They looked minor league compared to AEW just from a production standpoint. Oh, absolutely. We talked about it Wednesday on the Instant Reaction Show. I said yeah. the aesthetically, if and I know Vince. I've watched a lot of Vince McMahon products. I know a lot of Vince McMahon things. If he for a second saw that show, looks at these ratings and goes, "God damn it! Look what we look like. We look like a smoky goddamn outlaw show, and that show looks like a professional show. Why do we look like that? We're out of full sale." And they, and they whip their ass. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and that's the thing too. Another thing we brought up months ago: if this isn't going well for them, they will probably find a way to get out of full sale. I mean, they might have to. But here's the problem. Can they draw outside of full sale on a weekly basis? I, you, I don't know. I'm not sure AEW can. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think a- they can. AEW, what's important, if they keep putting on good shows because this show was well-received, okay, then I think that's going to help them draw moving forward. And they've, they've drawn well for all of the shows that have been put on sale to varying degrees. They haven't had a bomb yet. Okay, Uh, there's probably going to be a couple around the court, but if they keep putting on good shows, they'll keep selling tickets. And if they put on good shows and they're a hot product, they'll keep selling tickets. I don't know if NXT can. I know they can't draw basketball buildings for TV. God, no, no way. That I'm confident. But can they get into midsize buildings that look a little better on TV? I, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't know if they can draw consistent. Look, they still only do their little weekend fucking tours with the A crew in small to mid-sized buildings for the house shows. They haven't really expanded on that. And it's like they've proven they can draw when they're piggybacking a pay-per-view or when they're piggybacking WrestleMania. But can they draw every week for TV? That's an issue. And maybe that locks you in to full sale. And then you're going to have this problem every week where Dynamite looks like the vibrant, hip, major league show. And for the first time in decades – and I find this fascinating. Yeah, not, not until 1995 has this happened. <laughs> WWE looks like the minor league product. Because it is. Yeah. It is the – it's their minor league pro- – they put their minor league product up against AEW and they got their – they fucking got fed their lunch. I mean they – I mean you know, there's no spin. No one's even attempting spin because there is none. They got murdered. And – um Yo, it's going to be interesting. It's I don't know what else they can do. They've emptied the tank. I, I think they really felt confident that they were going to wipe the floor with AEW with that lineup and with the surprises they had planned and with all of the advantages. Well, and just Look, that they're WWE and this is a new yeah, startup company. We're fucking WWE. Of course the fans are going to watch us. And that whole idea that's been reported that WWE was kind of snickering and laughing at AEW for advertising – what some of the TV matches are going to be in the various cities, which you have to do to sell tickets, by the way. I don't have any problem with that. 
But WWE was snickering and laughing behind their backs, saying, "Oh, well, they're giving away. They're they're a, they're they're just oh, they're making it easy for us to counter program because they're still in the twenty year ago mindset. So they're going to have to adjust too. You know what I mean? It's like." They think they were ahead of the game with all these strategic moves they made, and I'm sure they were sitting there curling their mustaches thinking that they were going to have a big win, and they totally got humbled. And here's the thing, the other thing too is it's this is shockwaves for the whole for the whole industry now. It's not just going to affect what they do at NXT, it's going to affect what they do on Raw and SmackDown as well. And Rich, like we said months ago, and like most of our listeners already understand this is all only going to be good for you, the wrestling fan. The best thing that could have happened for you, wrestling fan, who listens to this goofy show, and for the people who pay us to listen to more of us behind the paywall, was AEW kicking their ass. That's the best thing ever that could have happened to you. It's only going to motivate WWE. It's only going to make other television stations take note that wrestling could be hot again. And that WWE isn't the be-all, end-all when it comes to wrestling. It's only going to – it's going to rise – raise the water level for everyone. And A, the war itself was going to do that. But AEW dominating like this out of the gate was the best thing that could have happened to fans, wrestling promotions, the indies, rich our subscriptions are up what, like fucking thirty five percent. Yeah, some we- ridiculous, and we're not alone too. I know other websites that 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 run you know premium content or have, and everybody's up. Everybody is consuming wrestling coverage more than they've done in in, in years. So yeah, I love the war. <laughs> I am. Somebody said I am. We are the Dick Cheney's right now. We're like, you know what? War is good. War is very very good as long as we were able to you know hey, make money. We were, off just of it, so. we were just told that the most watched stream. In independent wrestling TV history was the debut of Uncharted Territory. Yeah, which is not. Like, I would have never in a million years thought that, but people just fucking want wrestling. It's great. It's awesome. It, 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 it's helping everyone. And and that was the, the best news ever that AEW put a beating on it. It's only going to motivate WWE. And we know that they have the tools and the capacity to improve their product across the board. Putting the NXT UK tag team titles on Gallus is not a good start. <laughs> I was going to say their first their first shot across the bow was Gallus. So I don't know. God, I've never been happier to not be reviewing something for a while because I still don't know how those reviews are going to shake out. But more Gallus. I mean, they get what is the addiction to Gallus? I, don't know. I mean, what is jeez. I mean, spoiler alert. This was yeah. Well, taping. nobody fucking cares. Nobody cares. Jesus. Uh, but fuck, man. You're the literally the only person in the world that watches NXT UK, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. But uh, yeah, Trevor, the Irish wrestling fan, That's watches that. That's true. Okay. So two people. We so. talk about it all the time. So how you know, why don't you take that? Okay. <laughs> Very defensive about your NXT UK. I'm sorry. Well, you're the one missing out. I mean, there's some good action. I watch it every so often. It's just boring as all fucking sin. There's just like the, the episodes end. Like I watch them and then like I don't know how to react to them because I don't know how you did audio on them. There are shows that when they're over, I'm just like, all right, <laughs> that was NXT UK. All right, cool. It's you know, it, it's uh, you know, it's you just got to do the audio. Yeah, man. I mean, there's you good matches, but I don't know. I like to to have a take about a lot of the matches that happen, man. Is is it's remarkable. You you are indeed a godlike figure for having takes uh, on NXT UK on a weekly basis. I, so. I you know I, I feel like Ron Washington in Scott Hatterberg's living room. It's incredibly hard. I, <laughs> right. I, right. I don't know how I talk about Moneyball was on the other day and it stops me in my tracks every time. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Great movie. It's, it's like, uh, 
it's one of those movies you're flipping through and it's like uh, people don't flip through channels. They flip through the guide. Like that's the thing. Like you, 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 it's like no one like physically flips through each channel. That's that's something that. But you do scan through the guide, right? Like everybody does. Oh yeah, that. four at a time too. I do. I don't know if your your TV does that. Oh, but yeah, I can, yeah, I can go four yeah. channels at a time and a boom, 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 just scanning up and down, left and right. Yeah, it's 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 important. And, and I'm like Moneyball, 48 minutes left. I'm in. Yeah, let's you know, go. Yeah. hey. Moneyball gets watched every time. That's, yeah, I, I can't tell you how happy because I, I love Moneyball book. Of course, you you know me. Anybody listening yeah. to this knows how much you know that completely changed my life and my sports viewing and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But but knowing that when that movie came out and I watched it the, the minute and I, I don't watch any movies. I I see zero movies. I, I went to opening day of that. I, I think I had a class that day. I was in college and I was like, fuck it, not going to class that day. I want to be here at 10 a.m. to watch Moneyball, the first person to watch. And I watched it and I left the theater and I went, they fucking nailed it, man. That's God, like it's they, like as good or if not better than the book, and I'm like, captured. how did that happen? I was so worried. It's like it's a, it's a baseball movie, it's a sports movie, it's kind of a nuanced book, and they fucking nailed it. I couldn't yeah, believe it. And it's got Brad Pitt. Yeah, so he's figured, dreamy and good, and yeah, it's and it's like, but they fucking nailed it. And I don't know about you, but like, I'll I will pause Moneyball and then go to Baseball Reference to make sure they got shit right. And they nailed everything. You know, you know the scene in Moneyball where they're showing Oakland's going for twenty in a row, and they get out to like the eleven nothing lead yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then Kansas City starts coming back, right? And they go through the whole montage of Kansas City coming back. They were accurate right down to the players that were scoring the runs. I've cross checked it, Rich, against the actual. Yeah, it boxer. is actually on Hel Baroa <laughs> crossing that plate or whatever. It's great. Yes. They, they, they fucking nailed every detail. They even casted actors that reasonably looked like some of these obscure players that were on other teams. I mean, that's how good Moneyball is. I will always dork out for that movie. It will always stop me in my tracks. I fucking love Moneyball. I can, that's what Moneyball and Goodfellas, I can quote, I can watch the movie, Rich, and, and spit out every line before they do. The whole fucking two hours. I can quote the entire film. I love the Moneyball, but anyway, I'm the only, the only downside of Moneyball is I do have a lot of friends that like don't follow like baseball stats or whatever, and they're just like, yeah, yeah, those stats. I mean, Oakland was good, but what you know, they, they, nobody does these stats anymore, and Oakland never won anything. And I'm just like, oh god, like, <laughs> I don't you have don't to explain it, to them the last 15 years of baseball, but I'm like, ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're in the playoffs again. I mean, you know, it's a crap <laughs> well, shoot. But, like, I also want to tell them, like, yeah, I mean, the Astros and, and the Cubs yeah, and, and the other teams are doing Boston it. Boston yeah. Red Sox and literally every team is ran by an NBA now. But, yeah, I guess you're right. It, it's funny, funny how, too, the teams that are doing it that have money are all winning World Series. Right. You know, so it's, it, it's when you can – that's Oakland's issue and always has been uh, as we do uh, 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 Voices of Baseball here. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Bean is just squeezing everything he can get out of the fucking hand that he's dealt, you know? And it's, you know, I hate that narrative. Oh, well, they haven't won anything. Yeah, they make the playoffs every year spending $40 million on their roster. What about these divisions they win? And these, you know, I'm with you, man. Hey. That's winning something, you know? But that's the sport fan mindset that I despise. Oh, the rings are nothing? Yeah, rings are nothing. I hate it. I hate it. Unless you've won a ring, you're a failure. And I cannot stand that. And I really think it's an abusive way to approach sports. It if sucks. You approach, well, it's miserable. What a miserable existence. If you approach sports in a rings or bust mindset, okay, you are only setting yourself up 
for depression and misery because there are certain franchises that are never going to win a, a championship in your lifetime and you may happen to be rooting for one of them. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the small successes. Enjoy it. it, it, it that is the healthiest way. And I'm a huge sports fan, and so are you. But to me, that's the healthiest way to approach sports. You know, do, do, the Rams lost the Super Bowl last year. Do I think that season was a failure? No, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. It was a great, enjoyable ride, especially after losing for ten years in a row. You know, to get back to the Super Bowl, you got to enjoy those things. Rings or bust. You know, if you're that, your most miserable sports fans are the rings or bus sports fan, and they do it to themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. There. How about that? That's, right. that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to talk about it more for another like 25 minutes with you. But I suppose we that's another show. So maybe maybe we'll do a Patreon thing where you know Joe and Rich rant on rings or nothing culture because yeah, I think it fucking sucks. It, I hate it. And uh, I've always said like if you want to root like root for the playoffs, and, and we always on the Over and Back Classic NBA podcast. OverbackNBA.com, by the way, if you want to listen to that. Um, we always say, like, what we use for a lot of teams is, like, if they made the conference finals. Because I think in the NBA making the – like, NBA finals is, especially in the NBA, incredibly difficult. You're not going to make the NBA finals, and in most years, you're not going to win the NBA championship. The team right. that's the best team in the league is going to win the NBA championship. Like, right. you know, that's just going to happen. Like, but, but making the that, – that's a big deal. Your team should be very happy you made the conference finals. That's a huge, great season, and that's a great ride. And I was liking I, it too. The, the '90s Indians. If your existence in the '90s Indians is oh fuck, we didn't win a World Series. When you had like the most fun team in the goddamn universe, or the the, the '90s Seattle Mariners. That team was incredible. Yes. You had A. Rod and Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey Jr. and Jay Buhner yeah. and Edgar Martinez. If you come away with that saying ah we didn't win a ring, then you're just a miserable sports fan. Or if the, you're an Indians fan in the '90s, and I get it, they're long suffering. I get it. But man, those teams were fun. You had Manny and Roberto Alomar and fucking you know God, it was so great. And Albert Bell right out of his mind and freaking out at everybody and Jintome and all that sort of awesome stuff, man. Yeah, it's, you know, my thing every year, the way I approach sports is if, if my team makes the postseason, I view it as a success. And if anything else is gravy, the farther you go, the better. Now, listen, if you win 140 games in baseball and you get knocked out in the first round, I'm not saying you shouldn't be disappointed. OK, but, you know, it, it's this whole attitude of ah, they won nothing. They're a bunch of bums. I mean, you know, it's look, you didn't enjoy the previous six months. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's such a self defeating attitude. You're setting yourself up for misery, you know. And it, I just shake my head. You know, it, it's enjoy the ride, and you know, you get a couple championships. You know, treat it like it might be the last one you'll ever see. I saw the Reds win a World Series. I'd like to see another one, but I saw one. I saw the Rams win a Super Bowl. I've lost two since. I'm not, you know, I'm not hanging a noose in my garage. I saw one. You know, I don't know. We should probably get back to wrestling. We probably should get to wrestling. I, I was going to say, well, you know, it's the same thing we say where people say they deserve a title, you know, Rain. It's like, you don't deserve, you know, it doesn't make you less if you own a title. Right? That's my last little segue to, to get into wrestling there. But anyway, uh, we got plenty of other stuff to get to, Joe. But before we do that, we do want to let you know this episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at ZipRecruiter. And Joe, you know, you know hiring can be a slow process. Here's an example that ZipRecruiter gave us. Cafe Altura CEO Dylan Miskovitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company but he was having trouble finding qualified candidates. We all run into that. Then he switched to ZipRecruiter. 
And ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's the success story here. Dylan found his new coffee, his new... And that's how... The success story here. Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. And with Joe, with results like that, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for business, businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire all right so we got um let's so let's do this yeah okay let's do let's blow through hell in a cell because they, it's like a we only know about three matches right so, so we, by, we are refreshing fox smackdown and fox has ended and i asked you joe when 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 the show was over because you had watched more of the show i said joe what did they announce for hell in a cell and you said i don't know i'm not sure i refreshed i refreshed i looked i scanned twitter as far as I know, as of this recording, 10.51 p.m. on Friday, we have three matches for Hell in a Cell. All right. I mean, you know. If they're I not going to put no effort that. into it, then we're not going to put any effort into it. So, And we'll quickly go through because we want to get to some other yeah, uh, yeah, topics. Because who gives a shit? So, If Seth Rollins. <laughs> okay. We got Seth Rollins. They don't give a <laughs> shit. They don't care. Why are they telling you we don't care? WWE enthusiasm. Uh, Seth Rollins defends against The Fiend in the Hell I think we've talked about this. I think we both agree that the Fiend should win this match, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we've got Becky Lynch defending against Sasha Banks in the uh, women's uh, championship Hell in a Cell match. So uh, I don't have a good feel for this. I don't think it matters who wins the match. I think they've done a really good job. Look, Raw's been hit or miss, uh, you know, with the Paul Heyman influence, where a lot of the stuff that's good has his fingerprints on it and a lot of the stuff that's bad has his fingerprints on it thing with Heyman is throughout the years he's had a lot of bad ideas too okay and and he's a guy who will take chances but one one facet of Raw I think is where I think they've done a good job with Sasha Banks so she's in the title match here against Becky Lynch in the Hell in a Cell you have any thoughts on this or Uh, not really I mean the the thing is like initially I would probably say hey this would be a great spot for for, for Sasha to win the title from Becky, but do you want Rollins and Becky to both lose the titles in the same night? Like, I don't know if that really matters to them all that much, but if it were to me, I would probably move it over to Banks, but but I don't know. You could do it one of two ways. I mean, their, their first match kind of was a, a schmoz finish or whatever. I feel like you can't just have Becky go in there and beat Sasha, though. With all the momentum Sasha's been, been you know, given and everything that she's done, like, it, it, it kind of feels like she'd get punked out in a hell in a cell if she just lost to Becky. So I'd imagine Sasha wins, but then at the same time, I think Bri- uh, you know, Bray has to kind of win, too. So I, I don't know. I, I, I doubt that they would have two, both of them lose on the same night, but eh, maybe they do. I mean, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. I kind of like Sasha as a Naito-like figure where you just torture the fan base until the moment is absolutely right. Yeah, and I'm fine with that, too, because it would seem, it, it does seem in some way a little early as well. Like, I don't know, like, I wouldn't have booked their title match to happen even, you know, last month. I would have let it simmer a little bit and simmer a little bit and have her just feel like she's ready and feel like she's ready and feel like she's ready and feel like she's ready. And then when you're, like you said, when you're ready, you, you blow it off. But now we're already two matches deep into this feud. How many more matches do you have with these guys? Like, are they just going to fight each other for the next five months and then Sasha finally wins it, you know, in the sixth month? 
that's not good, yeah. is it? Like, is that really what people want? Like, I feel like there's this weird period there where, where if they fight each other for so many months and Sasha doesn't win that you actually get those diminishing returns on it. I think if I'm running things, I see the Sasha Banks fan base as such a passionate one that I can milk a lot of money out of them. And I, I, I just think that uh, I would book her in such a way where I torture that fan base until you're right at the cusp of running them off and then you take care of her. I think that's how I would handle it. That's old school. You know, new school is everyone gets a turn, put the title on. I don't know. Right, right, right. I, I um, and then Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns versus the villainous Eric Rowan and uh, Luke Harper, who came out of nowhere a couple weeks ago to uh, help him in that one. That's all we got, man. That's they it. haven't really, as we record this, we've got nothing else. We tried. And uh, we're going to move on. we got to do some New Japan. They had the Fighting Spirit Unleashed three-city tour, three sold-out shows. <laughs> Those happened Boston. nine years ago, Joe. <laughs> There's no way that's the same weekend. There's Listen, no way that was less than seven days ago. It's impossible. I, I promise you, it was uh, this past weekend. Hmm. We'll not lie to you, pal. Um, so I don't even know if the uh, Boston area and Philly shows are up on New Japan World yet. I haven't checked. As far as I know, they are not up. Let me check if that has changed. That I haven't means, seen anybody say anything about it, so I don't think that has changed. I believe they're still not up there. So That means I'll never watch them. That's number one. Um, but I did watch the New York show. Did you watch the Hammerstein show? I saw most of it. Not all of it, but most of it I was able to watch. So there, there was some spots that I still missed and, and, and some things, but I was able to watch most of it and at least get a, get an idea what they were going for on that on that show. So I don't think it's a show that demands a match-by-match thorough breakdown. No. It was a fun show. It was an enjoyable show. I think it was more newsworthy for what happened outside the ring than what happened in the ring. Um by now, we're not going to give you any new information on Ambulance Gate. I know when Rich loves when I attach Gate to a random <laughs> um, But we had Ambulance Gate, and you know they had the whole drama with the ambulance that most of you have heard about by now. Somebody called the ambulance company, supposedly, and said that the show was off. So there's some chicanery going on there. But the fact of the matter is the show started 90 minutes late. But we know because we had people texting us that they had ambulances there well before that 90 minutes, but the commission was still being hard asses about it. We later found out that they were fire department ambulances, which the commission was not accepting because if there was a fire, then the ambulance would have to leave. Just a disaster. So when they finally got the proper ambulances in place, there was like four ambulances at the building and they finally allowed them to start the show. We were also told that there was other paperwork, minor paperwork issues and things, uh, which also held it up. But at any rate, the show finally started 90 minutes late and uh, they ended up putting on the working shoes were on. I don't know if that's because they felt like, you know, they needed to make up for it or whether, you know, they just wanted to put on a good show because that's their job. But uh, the working shoes were certainly on. And while this didn't have any notebook material, I thought this was just a fun as fuck show. I sat there and watched it live and I enjoyed the hell out of myself. So um, I thought it was really good. I thought the, um, the Young Lions match, the TJ Perkins match against um, – who do you wrestle? Was it uh, – uh, Perkins was against Narita. Uh, on, on Narita. That, Narita. Yeah. I know that was a lot of fun. Perkins worked heel, and um, he's found his calling. He spent his whole career working his baby face, and that guy is a tremendous heel, and it helps that most people don't like him. <laughs> and his real personality is probably more of the heel than a, than a face, so it's good. But even his as – as just a pure pro wrestling heel, I mean – 
I mean, he killed it. I thought, I thought it was a super enjoyable match where, um, it was just what I thought it would be where he, he, he gave Narita just enough and, and those guys had good chemistry. And then Lance Archer and Carl Fredericks, I thought another super fun match. Archer immediately went after Fredericks taped up shoulder and, uh, Archer super over with this crowd, rich. They need to push this guy or what? I mean, it's it's gotten to the point where it, are you in danger of losing his momentum coming off of the G one if you don't do something with him? I mean, there's something there. Yeah, it's, it's bubbling. It's 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 definitely bubbling, and I, I'm seeing it even you know amongst you know casual fans and and just people on Twitter and all this stuff that Lance Archer's coming out and he's having matches and people are just they're loving it. They're absolutely loving him, and and I think yeah, there there's a lot of momentum stemming from the G one. He had an awesome G one. People that weren't fans of Archer are not kind of opening their eyes and seeing it. I mean, this is this is probably the time to. To, to strike. I don't know what the strike is. I mentioned a few months ago that you know maybe a never open weight run, something like that. Maybe get him in the IC mix, something like that. I'm not saying push him all the way to the moon and have him get in, you know IWGP title shots or whatever. But I think you can't just. Ha- I, I I don't know. I, I feel like it would be a real big waste if he's just like a dude on the roster doing stuff. Like I I think he's got to get in the title picture of something, be in the mix for something. I don't know if he's got to win those titles and have long runs, but you cert- you got to do something now. I mean, it's now or never with him. Like if you don't do something in these next few months, then they probably never are going to do anything with him but now is is definitely the time is i don't his stock has never been higher than it is right now so i i would hope they do something and, and he's earned it he absolutely has earned it and i think they probably had their top line plans in place already so it might be too late to get things geared up for like a wrestle kingdom and it's like that might be too late because if i'm wwe or if i'm aew or and you know they're paying attention or if i'm fucking whoever I, you know I'm putting out feelers for this guy. You know, I I legitimately think, and we've talked about this, that he might be the best big man in wrestling right now in terms of how he presents himself. His work is just – I am stunned how, how – he's probably the best he's ever been post-back surgery at 42. I mean, that's insane. he's like forty two or forty. Yeah, that, that's years stupid old. that he's forty two years old. I always forget that, and then I see him do something crazy. I'm like, "Fuck yeah, dude!" And I'm like, "Oh wait, yeah, this guy's in his forties. I just had like a, oh, a major true. back surgery where he barely could walk for for months. Like that is yeah." It's he he didn't know if he was gonna ever wrestle again. I mean, and he was born in either seventy six or seventy seven, so he's he's like forty two or forty three, and he's doing the best work of his life. And the best character work, it's all coming together for him right now. Which is even more reason to, to pull the trigger now when the fans are, are recognizing it as well. If I'm another company, I'm, I'm putting out feelers and trying to sign this guy. So it might be too late for them to do something with him, but um, you know he looks good here. And then there's a bunch of tags. I think the only one that really warrants any discussion is... You know, Hiroshi Tanahashi teaming with the Rock and Roll Express. Did you watch that match? I did, yeah. I had had to watch that one, and that was pretty awesome. I mean, just for the moment. They didn't have to have to do anything in the ring. They just had to be themselves and be fucking Tanahashi teaming with Rock and Roll Express. But I, I liked it. It was pretty good. It was sneaky good. You know what? They didn't have to do anything, but Ricky Morton's doing topes anyway. Exactly, right? Ricky Morton fucking rocks, dude. What? I mean, like, his year. He's had, like, he's had like a legitimately good in-ring year. Like, and I'm not even, like, not even, like, ironically. Like, he's having great matches. Rich, he sold it. He did the, they did the heat segment in this match. <laughs> I know. It's... Bushi's choking him out with the T-shirt, and he's fucking <laughs> selling and reaching up. And I, I, I feel like I'm watching a match from 1986 at fucking Great. Tech Live Studios. You know? it's it's Now, listen, there's nothing there with Gibson. Okay? But listen, 
That's not a complaint. He's 62 years old. I don't <laughs> right. and has led has led quite the life as well. Yeah, he's he's yeah. 62 in actual years, but yeah, much much older in uh, in lived years. And they're throwing the triple drop kick, and yeah, Gibson's getting six inches off the ground, and Morton's not getting you know he's not throwing Okada drop kicks either. But and Tanahashi, he's got the tassels around his fucking boots. If this match didn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what to tell you. Okay, I mean you just you're joyless. And, and like you're saying, Ricky Morton can legitimately still go. Is he one of the best wrestlers in the world? Pump the brakes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no. But but can he still go at a, at a respectable major league level? He can. It reminds me of when Ricky Steamboat – remember the Steamboat comeback when he was in his late 50s on uh, – you know, he wrestled a handful of matches in WWE. Yeah, he People did the match with Jericho at, at Mania or whatever. It was everybody, but, but Steamboat was the one that really stood out, yeah. And then off of that match, they gave him a couple other singles matches or whatever until his hell he had more health issues. But people went a little overboard and were saying it. Oh my god! But he was a respectable major league wrestler, and that's kind of what Ricky Morton is now. And it's like I, I listened to Jim Cornette's podcast today because I wanted to hear him review the AEW show, and he talked a little bit about the NWA taping that we're going to talk about later. And um, you know, he's just saying like. It's remarkable, and he noted that the Rock and Roll Express—they're getting like the biggest payoffs, like of their li- of their lives right now, just because of inflation. You know what I mean? And like, they're, they're a hot act, and you know they're they're making a lot. That good for them. They're in their sixties. Everybody loves them. They seem like solid dudes, and they're making these tremendous payoffs to work. You know, NWA shows, New Japan shows, uh, Black Label Pro books them or was booking them all the time. And uh, this is just, you know, and this match was a shit ton of fun. How about Ricky Morton in there getting his ass kicked by Shingo? I mean, and just taking it. <laughs> in what scenario? Imagine fucking Shingo taking Ricky Morton's head off. Like, what What world? That is definitely a fire pro where you're like, oh, fuck, sweet. Rock and roll versus Shingo and something. Whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you would have hit random and been like, ah, oh, Ricky Morton and Shingo. That'll be interesting to see what happens. But it happened Shingo. in real life. <laughs> like, Shingo beating down Ricky Morton in Hammerstein on a New Japan show. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> so if you tell me, if you just take any other combination of two wrestlers building and promotion and say that it's going to happen next year, how can I say I don't believe you? What have you have said if I told you that last year, that we're going to have that scenario play out? I mean, this is crazy talk. You know, it's random button all the way. But And then they did the whole thing for Tiger Hattori, which was great. He had his uh, family come in, that little fucking grandchild or whatever, cute as hell, um, you know, and all that shit. Did you watch the ceremony for Tiger? I, you know, I, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to. I was going to, and then it ended up like the whole weekend just sort of happened. So I, I, I unfortunately missed it, and I was kind of pissed because I really did want to check that out. But I heard really good things. Yeah, it was like a two-year-old grandkid high-fiving Ricky Morton. You know, it's just, it's just a great scene. And Tanahashi in there, and, and you know, um, you know, so that whole thing was, was fucking awesome. And then at the NWA taping, Morton – and Gibson were wearing the Tiger Hattori, you know, farewell T-shirt and everything. So, and then there was, I don't know if you saw that footage of uh, Jado's birthday celebration at the bar with, uh, you know, the Rock and Roll Express and Tamatanga and all them. So it seemed like a real fun weekend for New Japan. And, um, man, I mean, it's like, it's weird. It's almost like it wouldn't be the worst thing to use them again, like at least in the United States, right? The Rock and Roll Express. I mean, why not? I mean, it, it, it clearly came across well. Same of the reports in the other buildings. But um, so what was the business end of this? OK, so we had Kenta versus Yoshihashi for the never title. Did you watch this? I did watch this match. Yes. OK, so my opinion on this match is that this was Kenta's 
best overall performance in New Japan to date because this man came down to the ring, was getting cheered by that crowd, and made a conscious decision that he was not going to be cheered in this match. And this was one of the best performances by a pro wrestler in terms of controlling a crowd that I have seen in a long time. He turned that crowd against him. And he did it by using every veteran trick in the book. Stalling, uh, facial expressions, um, just every little trick. And he got that crowd to turn against him. A crowd that very badly wanted to cheer him at the start of that match. I thought his work was good. And I'm not saying that this was like a four-star match. Because I don't think it was. But... Did I enjoy the fuck out of his performance? And did he impress the hell out of me, especially coming off that concussion? And was this a master class performance in crowd control? Absolutely. I mean, Rich, you know how many wrestlers would have just basked in that crowd reaction and gone against what you're supposed to do as a pro wrestler and just enjoyed the adulation and worked it that way. He did not do that. He worked his ass off to get the intended reaction. And he got it. That is what pro wrestling is. Getting the intended reaction out of the fans. And telling the story you're trying to tell. He could have easily eaten up Yoshihashi and gotten all the cheers. And it would have been all wrong for the story they were telling. And he did not do that. I was so impressed by that. Uh, Yoshihashi, he is what he is. But, and I think that, you know, they did the run-in. And they had Tiger Hattori thwart it, which was smart because they got another pop for Tiger. And then none of that. And then Kenta ended up winning clean anyway. He tried for the interference because he's a heel and he's a shitbag. He didn't get it. And then he still beat the Jabron. So even from that pers- perspective, I thought it was it was well booked because he didn't need the help to beat Yoshihashi. He didn't get the help and then he beat the guy anyway. But at the first sign of a Yoshihashi comeback, because he's a heel, he called for backup. Do I like the Bullet Club stuff? I don't. Do I think they told a good story here? And do I think Kenta was incredible? I do. What'd you think of the match? So I, I think I liked it a lot less than you did because I thought it was pretty boring. I, I really was not into this match uh, really at all. I, I won't disagree with you in the sense that Kenta came out and it got cheered and then was able to get the crowd to start booing him. The issue I have with that is, as you were saying, Kenta used all the oldest trick in the book. He stalled, he did this, he did that, he did all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, all I think he did is made the match way more boring. And I don't know if I want to throw roses at a guy for getting heel heat by making a match boring as fuck. And that's where I'm at with this match. 25 minutes of, you know, really 15 minutes of kind of stalling and being an old school classic heel or whatever you want to say. Which is fine. It's whatever. It's good. He got the crowd to boo him. But he got the crowd to boo him by having an actively bad match. And match where he was stalling and doing bullshit and getting out of the ring and just trying to do all this sort of stuff that that really I don't know it just didn't click with me. And now this now here's where I'll say that I'm not going to blame Kenta 100 for that because Kenta was was doing what he thought to do to get the crowd to turn on him. The issue that I had though is that the crowd booed Kenta, but I don't know if that any of that heat got translated over to Yoshihashi. And I don't know if that's a Kenta problem. I don't know if that's a Yoshihashi problem. I don't know what that is. But that was the issue I had is yeah the crowd dis- dislikes Kenta now, but it felt like they just disliked the match and just wanted it to end. They weren't rooting for Yoshihashi. There was a you know your ten fans that were going Yoshihashi, but like no, no nobody gave a shit about those guys. Largely nobody gave a shit about Yoshihashi, and, and that's nobody. where I'm like, do I really call it a masterful performance? I don't know if in good conscience I can. And again, that's well, not because of Kenta. I I, I want to state that again. 
I think he did whatever he was going to do. I think he he did a good job of getting the crowd to turn against him in having, you know, being boring and getting outside of the ring and doing all that sort of bullshit and all that sort of stuff, which is fine. It's good. But you need that other guy to then transfer that heat. The heat needs to get transferred to the other guy, and it didn't. So all that happened was is we had a match where the crowd actively seemed like they were just disliking that the match kept continuing and just wanted it to end. And I don't know if I can call that a great performance. I'll defend it in this way. I don't think there's a wrestler on earth that can get anyone to cheer Yoshiashi. And, and that might be the biggest uh, issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that, that's, yeah, that's it. I don't know. Like, that, that's I'll where the, 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 the caveat will come is, like, I, while I do think that Kent did a great job in this, the fact that Yoshi got nothing out of it, I don't know if that means that Kenta had his greatest performance ever. But that could also be that Yoshiashi is just fucking Yoshiashi, and, and no, nobody's no. going to be able to hold do on it. Now. Hold on now. Hold on now. Let's not misrepresent JL. I said it was his best performance in New Japan to date. No, no, no. Things. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> let's, pump the, let's pump the brakes here. He said in that building, he wrestled Nigel McGuinness in a match that I will never forget for the rest of my life. Uh, I watched that match live, and I think it was one of the best ROH world title matches ever, where Nigel, where uh, Kenta just punished Nigel McGuinness's arm for 25 minutes. Did you see that match or no? Do you oh, remember? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's incredible. God, did I love that match. I have, I have a but, whole uh, ROH, I have a whole Kenta in ROH DVD that I watch every so often that's just fucking great. It's just nonstop Kenta matches in Ring of Honor. He had a great run in, in, yeah. in Ring of Honor, so yeah, for sure. And again, like I said at the top, I'm not saying this was a great match. That's the thing. Specifically with his performance, with his determination to get over as a heel, which he did, because they were booing him. They just weren't cheering for Yoshihashi. Right, right, that right. Forget it. If he could have got that to happen, because these New York fans had no interest in, in Yoshihashi. And we've seen this in America with Yoshihashi. He wrestled Kenny Omega. Weren't you there live? I was there live, yes. Yeah. You're not getting – no one in America gives a fuck no, about They need Yoshihashi. to stop that. I don't know why, where they got this idea that this is a viable opponent for Kenta in, in America. No. If, now, if this match were in Cork and Hall, I think people would have been cheering for Yoshihashi. But it was in, New, it was in USA. People in America do not care about this man. Okay, especially now. In Dallas, he was so bad. I mean, live, he was so bad. Like, he just doesn't have the oomph that everyone else on the roster has, especially when you see him live. It's glaring that he is so behind everybody else on the roster. Every young lion in that company is already better than Yoshihashi. And, I, I, you know, I can say that with confidence. He doesn't lay it in. He doesn't look like he's trying very hard half the time. There's one advantage to Yoshihashi. He's a pretty good hot tag. Right, I think we could say that. About Is he though? I mean, we're talking about that that match last week where where Ishii sold his ass off for twenty minutes, tagged to Yoshi, and Yoshi missed a fucking super kick by about ten feet, and it was like, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, he's bad in that match. Right. He's bad in that match. I think historically he's been a good historically he's been off. fine. Yes, yeah, but. but but I mean, he's having a horrible year, and you know that match, that tag match, was one of them. But I mean, I'm look again. I'm putting over the match as some kind of classic. Do I want to ever revisit this Kenta versus Yoshiyashi match? I don't. But what I saw was a wrestler actively taking a match by the throat and making it what he what he was instructed to make it out to be. Yeah. Oh, I mean, if and, you want to talk about controlling, like, this might be the, the most, you know, when you talk about performance, the most controlling wrestling performance I've ever seen, where Kenta just said, okay, you're doing this thing, and I don't want you to do this. I'm going to want you to do this. And I, like, that entire match, a thousand percent was about Kenta. Kenta was everything in that match. Yoshiashi may as well not have been there. You know what I mean? Like Kenta almost was wrestling with himself and wrestling with the crowd, and re- yeah, like it was exactly. like when you say that, like in terms of maybe the, the end result isn't something that's any great shakes, but in terms of like putting this match on his back and just saying no, I am going to make this match what we want it to be. Just follow me and don't do anything. 
It was that. It was definitely 100% a Kenta match. It's, it's that's what I said. That's what I said in the open. I even said, look, this wasn't any kind of great match. Right, right, I'm right. just saying this was a great fucking – this to me was a – maybe great – maybe great is the word thrown people. To me, it was a fascinating performance by this man. And I thought Bell to Bell, he was very good because we've talked about it. He's been a little hit or miss Bell to Bell too. You can count on one or two awkward spots in a Kenta match in the G1. There was none of that here. And I think he knew I cannot get cheered in this match because I'm doing a run-in later. And the ref has to get the pop. So I have to alter the course of this crowd. I have to. And maybe a six-year veteran wouldn't have done that. And there's probably a ton of 20-year veterans who just would have ate up the crowd response. But he knew that the whole match was peaking with Tiger Hattori chasing off Tama Tonga and Tongaloa. And it would have made no sense to work that match as a baby face and kick the shit out of that guy and give the, you know what the fans wanted? They wanted Kenta to kick the living shit out of Yoshihashi. But if you do that and you give that to them, they're going to blow the roof off for you. And then you're killing Hattori's spot later. So that's what I'm talking about here. When I talk about how fascinated I was with his performance, I, I just, you know, I just thought it was brilliant pro wrestling on his part to change the course of that crowd and get the desired reaction. And then we had the six-man main event, which I thought was, you know, it was fine. It was okay. You know, it's like it was an enjoyable, crowd-pleasing main event for that crowd. And let me tell you something about I think that was, was this one the straight tag? I think this was just the – was this just yeah. – I think this was Evil and Sonata and Okada Ibushi, if I'm correct, right? No, 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 no. no. LIJ faced Rock and Roll Express and Tanahashi. On this show, yeah, but was that was that the main or was it the Evil and Sonata? No, no, no. The Rock and Roll Express match was a mid card match. Yeah, okay, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. Pull up the show, you'll see. Yeah, no. The, the main event though was Evil and Sonata, Okada, and Ibushi. The uh, the main event was Okada, Ibushi. Was it a six man tag? No, or it was, was a tag. A tag? I'm, tra- I'm saying it's a straight tag. I just didn't want people to get mad. It was Okada and Ibushi versus Evil and Sonata. They did an elimination match. That the- was the next day. The next night, this was the tag. T- it was just a straight tag. Straight tag, tag, straight tag. Yeah, I know. The, the weekend and, got a little confused, and, and obviously a lot has happened in wrestling since then. But just uh, to clarify, was, so no, no, no. Tana, yeah, it was Tanahashi and the Rock and Roll Express versus the other Lij guys. It was Bushi, Shingo, and um, Bushi Shingo. Who am I missing? And Naito. Yeah, I forgot Naito. And then yes, this was the straight tag because the limit the twelve man elimination or whatever was in Philly. And I don't remember what the Boston main event was. Uh, but the I'm Boston saying- main event was, yeah, the, the Boston main event was Okada, Tanahashi, and Ibushi. That was a six-man versus Naito, Evil, and Sonata. Right. Okay, so we got that all straightened out. But, uh, yeah, it was a nice little enjoyable match. But to me, what I'll remember from this show is, uh, you know, the uh, the Rock Roll Express, obviously, and the Tiger stuff in both that match and the Kenta match, and then all of the drama. So uh, that was uh, that in terms of – oh. No English commentary. That was really weird. Very the, weird. Yeah, we got to talk about that. That is strange. <laughs> and the production was weird. It wasn't their usual uh, higher level production. Um, all right, so how do we do this? So we know why there was no English commentary. Has anyone else reported this? Because we were told off record and we can't I talk about it. I don't think so. I don't think anyone, I don't think anything, anyone else so. reports to them. We still can't talk about it. If someone else lets the cat out of the bag, we can confirm or deny. But let me just put it this way. 
um, Rich can chop it out if I go too far, but I think I'm pretty good at this. I, um, the plan was to have English commentary. And that shouldn't be breaking news because if you just use your noodle, if you use your brain here, okay, the show got added to the New Japan World schedule very late in the game. It wasn't on the New Japan World schedule, and then it sort of just appeared a couple days before the show. That's a tip-off that something went awry. Okay, is that fair to say, Rich? For sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not burning a source here or anything. I haven't given away anything that we're, I'm not supposed no, to give I'm away. No, I'm looking at it right now to ensure that you don't. And I'll tell you when you've said too much. So, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I, I don't think that I will. You're good. You're good. So plan was to have commentary. Something went awry that we're not allowed, that we were told off the record. Okay. And I'm not, we're not trying to cock tease people. I mean, you just have to understand. Um, and on one hand, you can say that's not us necessarily letting New Japan off the hook because at the end of the day, it is their fault. They didn't have a contingency plan. And they may have waited around too long for their original plan to come into play. Is, is that fair to say? That is fair. Yeah, absolutely. They, 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 too late to kind of make adjustments and, yeah, just too late to – they waited too long for the one thing to happen and it didn't happen. And then the, the adjustments, they didn't have enough time to make the adjustments. So Right. And then they didn't – and then as a result, they did not have English commentary when they had full intentions of doing so and um, it just did not work out. So um, – that's that. And again, that's not us trying to let them off the hook. They they waited around too long for something to fall into place that didn't. They threw the show on their streaming service at the last minute. And it was logistically, it was just too late to get people to the building to, it just, so that's why that explains that. I don't think I've seen anybody talk about that, but that is the, explanation without giving away the the key part of unfortunately i you know listen if someone says look i'll tell you but you can't talk about it what do you want me to do i can't come on here and and you know fuck that per i can't we can't do that okay in all honesty most people probably wouldn't even give you this much i mean we're we're trying here okay but i just i can't give you the, the the final and i'm sure there's other reporters who were told the same thing and just left it alone so we're trying here to at least give you a little something. Rich, you don't have to cut any of that out, right? I did no, nice that's job. all good. Very good. Yeah, good job at dancing around that. the subject there. But yeah, essentially, like, if you watch the show, I mean, there, there was no hard cam. Uh, the cameras looked less than they usually do. The lighting looked less than they usually did. It looked like a live event that they just so happened to get a bunch of cameras to at the last minute. And that's kind of what happened, sort of, in a way. So, yeah, no hard cam. Uh, dubbed over if you watched it, too, and you were wondering, man, this mix sounds terrible. It's because they recorded it. In Japan and dubbed over the audio, you know, they were getting a feed from the building and then putting, you know, two guys in a studio talking about it in commentary. So that's why, was, like, the guys in the, the, the commentator sound like they're in a room because they're in a fucking room. They're not in the arena. Yeah, it, was, and, it, was the, it was remote commentary. It was an emergency last minute thing. It was Milano, Yano, and uh, whoever the, the regular play by play guy, whoever, I don't know his name. Um, but they showed them on camera several times. You didn't watch. See, I watched it live, and I I watched that in terminal ninety minutes of banter between Turo Yano, Milano, <laughs> and the other guy. So it's like, 
yeah, they were sitting in a fucking studio somewhere, and even that was put together at the last minute. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and the audio was a little mixed weird because they have to keep you know the commentators a lot. When, when they're in the building, it's a lot easier to sort of say, okay, here's where your levels need to be, here's where these levels need to be, yada, yada, yada. But instead, the problem was, is, and, and that's like people that are watching the show are like, Jesus, this crowd seems like, and we heard the crowd was hot. Like people that were there saying, oh, yeah, the crowd was hot. But they didn't sound very hot because you, like, you had the mix of the audio from the commentary way higher than you would have had the mix of the arena in, in the building. So there was, there was some issues there. So technically... It was not good. When it was all done, like, I'm glad we saw it. I'm glad we got it. But it's like, given all the issues that came up, it's almost like, man, if, if you weren't going to put your best foot forward there, then maybe it wasn't even worth it at all kind of doing a, a last-minute deal. Not that I hated it. Not that I disliked it. I'm glad I saw the show. But I could see that being, if people stumbled upon New Japan World, watched this, would go, what the hell is this? Like, it wasn't their best effort that they've done. And, and it's not all their fault, obviously. But, yeah, it, it, aesthetically, it, it just didn't match up with what they've done. Um, elsewhere, I would have liked if they just did the no fucking commentary thing. So it would have been nice, but I guess the commentary was fine for for people listening. And, and we heard from other people too that, and we, we, this is a big deal too that that it even happened in, in in April when New Japan ran New York. Is that in Japan it's a big deal to run in New York for your show? So while we American fans are going, what the fuck? Why is there no American commentary? They're sending commentary to Japan in Japanese, and those people are enjoying it because th- to them it's a huge deal that New Japan's wrestling in New York City. Like there's 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 a, a sort of an aura about that building and about that city in New Japan. There's always been. I mean, going back to the 70s, and Noki sort of instilled that as well. So, so there is that thing, too, where, like, we American fans are like, oh, what the fuck? Who cares? But to them, like, that's a big deal. They wanted to watch the show, too, not just us. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the fans in the building were tremendous. They were patient through that 90 minutes, and then they were red hot for the whole show. So if you were in that crowd, uh, tremendous job. I mean, it would have been very easy to be frustrated and have no energy and be angry. You know, 90 minutes to be sitting there and you've got nothing. And then, and when Rocky came out with that executive, did you see that? I did. I missed that part. I wanted to, I I wanted to, was that on the, I don't know if it's even on the replay because I think I jumped right at the beginning, but I may have passed it up. Yeah. It it aired during the delay and the executive gets in the ring and he's just trying his best in very limited English to apologize over and over and just bowing to the crowd. And I'm, and I see Rocky standing there and I'm like, is this a bit like, what the fuck is this? Like, what are they doing? You know? And the crowd was very polite to him, but he just kept saying over and over, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And like bowing to the audience and no one knew what to make of it. And then Rocky gets in the ring and cuts the promo. I'm like, why didn't Rocky just get in the ring and cut the promo and save this? Why did they send this guy out there to die? We find out later that's kind of like Japanese tradition. If something goes wrong, the guy in charge takes the fucking heat. Yeah, exactly. So that's what that was. It wasn't a bit. I swear to God, I thought it was a bit. And because I didn't understand, I don't know the culture. And, um, you know, Rocky gets in, he cuts the promo. And as soon as he said, we're going to try to put highlights of Boston on the screen for you, I'm like, oh, my God, this show's never going to start. <laughs> right. Here's a video. Yeah. yeah, like, <laughs> this is the worst, you know? And I don't even think they ever got those highlights up. They were going to show matches from the night before. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, so that was a controversy that came and went pretty quickly. And uh, I don't think those fans, based on how hot they were, really are holding it against them. I don't think it's going to hurt them if they come back. But, um, you know, a packed Hammerstein building, they kind of 
Uh, did they paint that building? Yeah, I don't know if I like. I don't know if I like the new paint job on that building. It kind of looks like a mall concourse now, and I, I don't know. It's all white and gray, and yeah. I kind of like the wood. <laughs> I like the wood paneling everywhere and stuff. It had a classic look, but yeah, it looked a lot different. It definitely did. I saw some pictures, and I was like, "That's Hammerstein!" Like, what the fuck? It was. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah, they definitely got a new paint job and a little more cleaned up. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I love it. I don't know either. I wonder if they did that to the smaller room too, the uh, grand ballroom. Um, I wonder if they painted all that over too i don't know they're like structurally it's clearly the same building but the paint makes it look a lot different like it, it's just a, a total different uh visual but anyway uh that's what's going on with the uh with the fighting spirit on lee show oh we should drop this one because i don't think anyone has really talked about it and i did a little digging myself on this one but um it looks like minoru suzuki is not long for new japan um I had got sent a, I was sent a tip. I don't even know if you're aware. I don't even know if I told you any of this, but um, you you saw me digging around. Though. I saw you digging around. I did not get the. I, I don't know about the initial tip, but I'm I'm interested now. So yeah, so I got a tip that Minoru Suzuki, the word on the street in Japan, my sources in Japan, Rich, have told me that uh, Minoru Suzuki has been wanting out of New Japan, and um, and 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 would be gone you know, in, in a matter of months. And, and then I did some more sniffing around and, uh, the, it got confirmed by a second source who basically said, yeah, if not for the Jushin Liger program, he'd be gone already. So that was like, Whoa, well, mm-hmm. you know, I know you saw that. Bit. Yeah. That yeah. Made, that, that maybe stopped like, my tracks for sure. I was like, Oh, ee, okay. So, you know, the word on the street in Japan is that, um, you know, there's a lot of rumblings in Japan that, 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 which would explain, you know, he wasn't in the G1, whether that was by his choice because he's getting older or whether the company knows that he isn't long. So why put him in the G1 if he's not going to be around much? Right, longer, right, right, right. And they gave him that title match against Okada. So maybe get one more house out of him. Right. And then do this program with Liger, which Suzuki seems to be very much into. And they will wrestle at King of Pro Wrestling. So it'll be interesting to see. If King of Pro Wrestling is a Minoru Suzuki blowoff, it's it's very it very much good. I'm not saying I don't know. Let me be clear before people run the Reddit on their little keyboards. Okay, let me be clear. I don't know when or even if the guy's leaving. All I'm saying is double sourced now, double sourced that he's planning on leaving New Japan and they're aware of it, and he's not happy there. And the direct quote we got was if it wasn't for the Liger program, he'd be gone already. Am I misrepresenting that? I'm not, No, right? that's it. Yeah, that's that's it. So, and, and and nothing about him being injured as well either it, it is another thing too in terms of like his body or whatnot. We've heard most of it was just like, you know, yeah, he's older, but it was it's it's morale more than anything, I should say. It's not know, like he's, he's retiring, you know, tomorrow. He's retiring immediately after King of Pro Wrestling. You know, he's never going to wrestle again. Like the idea is that, that we've heard was, yeah, not happy. No, he just doesn't want to be. And my original source tells me that Noah is the potential destination. So how about that? Interesting, really is. And and you want a little bit more smoke to that fire too. And and I know you saw this. And I'm, hell, yes. I'm glad. It fucking sounds great to me. Uh, December thirteenth for Warrior Wrestling. We've talked about Warrior Wrestling on the show many times before in Chicago. Minoru Suzuki signed to compete December thirteenth. Yeah. So uh, he's not in World Tag League. We know that. <laughs> so like you know. Yeah, he's taking and he's taking indie bookings. Yeah, That's not so. There's, there's yeah. some smoke there. I mean, that that's a dude who's already telling you he's not in the World Tag League. That after King of Four Wrestling, he's not, you know, he's taking other bookings outside of New Japan. So, again, Which, we're not saying he's leaving, but 
we're not not saying he's leaving. <laughs> like it's. You know? I mean, it's seen in that way for sure, and it's it's that's the other thing as we've talked about before. A lot of those Suzuki Gun guys are not under New Japan contract. Okay, a lot of them are not under contract. Now, you know, I had heard. I know I heard a rumor as to part of the reason he's upset, which I'm not ready to talk about on the air. I might in a couple weeks. I I don't want to put rumors out there. You understand? I don't even know if you know this one. I'll tell you off the air. But um, oh, I, I may have mentioned it to one of someone we talked to in Twitter DMs. Um, the confrontation he had with another wrestler. Um, do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I don't. No? I actually don't. So I'm interested now. Let's go. Yeah. And again, <laughs> I, listen. I again, I don't want to talk about it because that's the kind of thing you don't want to report. And thus, it, it's got to be more than a rumor for me to talk about that. But um, but the point here is he's taking indie bookings and. Um, I lost my train of thought on what I was talking about. But, oh, yeah, the Suzuki Gun guys, a lot of those guys aren't even under New Japan contract, which includes Archer that we talked about before. So it's like if Suzuki leaves and they disband Suzuki Gun or whatever, you know, a lot of those guys, what do you do with them? Do you move them to other units? Do you keep them around? Do you get them under contract? Which, again, if I'm Lance Archer, I am leveraging this. I'm talking to other promotions if I'm not under contract. And I have no idea whether he's under contract or not. I know years ago he wasn't. I don't know about now. But if I'm not... I am absolutely talking to other wrestling promotions and using that uh, leverage now that he's super hot against, especially with all the uncertainty now with Suzuki and what happens with the rest of those guys. About two years ago, I could tell you for a fact, the only Suzuki gun guy that was under contract of all people was, was fucking Kanemaru somehow. The guy who just weasels his way. I mean, that guy is just the ultimate fucking grifter. I mean, you got to respect that guy's hustle. But, um, but I, you know, now I don't know. It's it's that was two years ago, so it doesn't mean anything. But if Suzuki leaves, there could be some dominoes there in terms of that unit falling apart. And you know what happens with that? Does someone else take the? Do they keep it together and call it something else and put like you know Taichi in charge or something? I mean, you know, as the as the number who knows. But um, but that was an interesting story. So do you want to just go over the King of Pro? Re- oh, should also mention this that not just Suzuki, but there's some turmoil in – I don't know if it's turmoil, but there may be some changes in the New Japan front office. Yes. Uh, shortly too, come the, the turn of the year. That's the other thing in that months ago, months ago, we heard that Harold May might be out after the Dome shows, right? Never said a word about it, but now I've heard it from two other people. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to Super Cast. Obviously, Michael Craven is on edge as he had that confrontation, that firsthand account with the producer of Super J cast at the which show was that? That was um, the UK show, right? Uh, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Royal Quest show. The Royal Quest show where Craven got into that verbal altercation with the Super J cast producer. Yeah, editor Dan. Editor Dan saying that he's, you know, you're putting my job at risk and all this. Go listen to the show from a couple <laughs> yeah, weeks right, ago. Right. I don't want to par- – you know, and, and you know, so he's on edge, Craven, and now we're hearing from multiple – again, Rich, we held this under wraps for how long, the May thing? Yeah, God, that was, what, two months ago, a month and a half ago or so that we saw that for sure. Because this time. is just one of those things – and listen, this is one of those things where you talk to people and you hear a rumor and it's irresponsible to come on this show and just start spitting that shit out, right? We always say because- we want to hear it from two people or two or three people that we know don't – talk to the same people and wouldn't talk to each other. Yeah, 
yeah, about and it. It's so. not, and it's not like the person who told us is the person who told us is really reliable. But again, I'm not just going to come on here and talk about unsubstantiated rumors when we're just shooting the shit with someone that we're friends with. You know what I mean? And it's like, but now when I hear it again this week, I was like, wait a minute. I think I remember someone else telling me that. And I went back and looked and I was like, yep, there it is. So again, is there smoke to that fire? And and I don't think, and I don't know the reasons, but the way it was phrased is, look, whether the Dome shows are a success or not, Harold May could be on the way out come the turn of the year. And, and you know, then I'm thinking about Craven getting into it with producer Dan, you know, who's just asking, I think he just asked for a light for his cigarette and the poor guy fucking got jumped on by Craven. Um, you know, but go listen to that show. You get the full story. It's fascinating. I got a phone call that day from the Super Jcast guys while the show was going on. They're like, Joe, you wouldn't believe what's going on in London. I'm like, I'd love to know. Tell me. And they're like, how do we handle this? You know, and I was like, you go on the air and talk about it. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, he confronted, you know, your your producer. And, you know, it's like you're under no obligation not to talk yeah, about fuck that. Him. Yeah, talk. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, when things settled down. You know, they had an off-the-record conversation, and producer Dan left all of that out of the show like he should have. Because if the guy says, hey, look, let me talk to you off the record, okay, no problem with that. And he didn't go on air and fucking, uh, you know, uh, stab the guy in the back and talk about that portion of it. But he was well within his rights to discuss the, the, the confrontation that they had. I mean, um, you know, and, and, and I thought Dan handled it beautifully, and I thought the Super Jcast guys uh, handled it beautifully, you know, and, and – you know, I had Damon, you know, calling me during the show. He, he, you know, uh, what do I do here? You know, he's like, you're the boss. I'm like, yeah, about time someone called me instead of Rich, right? <laughs> yeah, about time. I was feeling good about well, myself. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect time. Like, like little website stuff I deal with, but like, hey, we're getting threatened by the New Japan executive. What do we do? Yeah, that, that's, you know, you called the right guy in terms of like, you know, calming a situation down. Like, I am not, I don't know if I'm the guy that, uh, you have a little bit more experience in, in creating and then calming situations down. So, Listen, I handled it with a plum. Okay, yeah. I, I, I crushed it. Okay, we handled it right. So anyway, uh, possible turmoil in the front office. I can't wait to see fucking Reddit tomorrow. This is going to be yeah, a dumpster. Yeah, this is going to be great. But, uh, God damn it. You know. <laughs> Should we talk about uh, when's King of Pro Wrestling? You want to hold it? Uh, off? We got yeah, I think we'll have till next week. That's October fourteenth, so we have until that is not well, until I, next Monday. So yeah, or, or the Monday after, I should say. Um, so yeah, we got plenty of time to cover that one. So that's good. As long as hey, as long as they get the URL right and the website name right, knock yourself out, Reddit. So hi, <laughs> hello, couple, hi. Couple quick hitters. You want to bury Ring of Honor next? Well, let's fucking do it. Yeah, dear God. Quick hitters. We're running out of time. Let's let's run. Yeah, I got about a half top. hour. So yeah, let's go quick. But uh, yeah, so Ring of Honor, um, death before dishonor, not good, Rich. Well, death is the correct word there. I would say, yeah. This uh, so so this week's Wrestling Observer, they had a uh, you know their 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 poll that they put on the top of the Observer. They had what like fifty people tops jumping in to kind of give a, 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 a you know thoughts about the show, which did not bode well. And then Dave also put here. Uh, as is the fact that in a 900-seat arena in Las Vegas, Samstown, not only did they have a week advance, we talked about that last week, where you could buy the entire first, second, third, and fourth row uh, two days before the show, not good, uh, but even with giving away tickets at the end to basically anyone who wanted them, they started the show with maybe 600 in the building and ended with about 800. Not good, but worse. Joe, are you ready for this? Dear God. Yeah, that, worse? listen. Oh, yeah, go ahead. We know, that, we know their attendance is bad, but the next part is this. just stunning. It's yeah. just 
atrocious. Go ahead. So worse are the pay-per-view numbers. The last ROH show, Best in the World, uh, on 628 in Baltimore, did an estimated 3,500 pay-per-view buys. Death Before Dishonor at press time is estimated at just under 800. The actual decline from the last show is 77.7%. And this is not a year-to-year drop, but a drop from June to September. 800. Joe, how many more people will listen to this show than order Death Before Dishonor? That is not good. Yeah, by... Many, many multiples. Again, similar to our impact dunking, where you know we're doing, hey, ROH, and you're worse, bad. we're killing you guys. But like, no, we're beating them by a lot, and that's not good for a company. I mean, at the state pay- that they're at, our paying customers are catching up. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's it's eight hundred, eight hundred, a seventy eight percent drop from the previous pay per view. Which was, I mean, I'm sure, already down, too. I mean, he's saying that it's not even a year. June wasn't really the hottest point in, in Ring of Honor history either. But the fact is, this is how far they've fallen at this point. One of 3,500 buys, wasn't it, for that one? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Is that 78%? Is that math right? I don't know. It's Dave. I guess it's probably it, yeah, math, I guess so. It's, no, it's something about okay. I'm not that bad at math. Yeah, that's about right. 77.7, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, it is right around there. So I did that in my head. How about that? That's pretty good. That's good. I couldn't do that at all. I don't know. Any, I didn't do any math in my head, so. I surprised myself with that. I was like, well, what? But uh, yeah, so uh, wait, is that right? Now I'm doubting myself. Ah, who knows? Punch man. it up. Oh, I need to know. Hold on, I got a calculator. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see old Lanzi use the calculator. Doubt myself here. So what was it? 800. Yeah, 800, and... 3,500. Oh, you know the problem? I'm going to tell you the problem. I don't know how to do that math on a calculator. But I, yeah. That's a terrible you know, <laughs> So forget it. I can't even. Pull out of it. I have a calculator here that says one. Okay, one value is this. The next value is this. Calculate. Um, that says something different, too. I don't know. Yes, it's a you huge drop. You ripped me. You ripped me, and you don't know how to do it either. Right? Uh, so, anyway, it's a 78% drop for pay-per-view over the last show, which is horrendous. Look, here's my take on all this. I have a couple different takes on this. Number one, Roosh isn't going to save their ass because it's over. You cannot come back from this. People just don't care about Ring of Honor anymore. The fact is, uh, Roosh headlined this show, and it made zero difference. And, in fact, they plummeted 78% from last time and couldn't draw any fans. Right. So, Roosh is not the savior. No, it's absolutely. And, and and one thing that, that we should know, too, because people will bring up, oh, Roosh is a big deal in here, and he's a big deal here, and he's a big deal here. It's not universal. If, if, if people don't care about a company or they know that the company doesn't use a guy properly or, or they don't find any interest in that guy, it's not, not just because you have Roosh on your show doesn't mean you're immediately automatically going to do well. People have clearly said, hey, Roosh is important to us. We like Roosh, but we think Ring of Honor sucks, so we're not going to watch it. We don't want to see Roosh in Ring of Honor. Right, but Roosh will go to fucking MLW right around the corner for me and, and sell that building out. And he'll be the most yeah. over guy in the entire building. So it's it's not right. universal. People forget that sometimes about pro wrestling. Just inserting a guy that's over in one place into your place doesn't immediately make your place good. It doesn't immediately make all those people that were watching this guy in this one place all of a sudden now come over to watch your thing. That's just not how it works. It's about what you do with that person, everything around you, the narrative around your company, the the, the, the the momentum of your company, all that stuff matters. MLW can pop big houses with Roosh. You know, CML can do stuff. Well, <laughs> used to be able to do stuff with Roosh. I guess we'll get to that in a bit. Like, he has, you know, obviously 
business traction in a lot of other places, he doesn't in Ring of Honor. And, and like you're saying, it's not all of a sudden going to be, well, hey, a lot of people have Roosh, so we'll just keep pushing Roosh. Like, no, <laughs> like we've seen here, I don't think it's going to work that well. You know, I don't think it's going to work that way either. So, it, it, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, that that is staggering. At this point, it's like, what are you guys even doing? Yeah, it's it's this isn't going to turn around. Point number two, at this point, Matt Taven has to be considered one of the worst world champions of all time in terms of during that person's title reign, a company cratering to just um, unforeseen depths. I mean, it's just bad. And of course, there are factors that have nothing to do with Matt Taven, the elite leaving. Uh, you know, no Kenny Omega coming in every now and then, uh, you know, less New Japan presence. Look, all of those things are factors. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying it's all on Matt Taven. I'm not saying that um, this, you know, um, wouldn't have happened if someone else. I'm not saying any of those things, but the facts are facts. Matt Taven didn't stop the bleeding at all. And I think it's clearly and blatantly obvious that he was part of the problem because nobody gives a fuck about Matt Taven. Yeah, it, so. it, it has to go down as, as historically one of the absolute worst title reigns of all time. We've seen business drops in, in with certain title reigns. We've seen your, your diesel and your ultimate warriors and stuff. This is like unprecedented. And like you said, it's not only Matt Taven. But my God, he when, when you look at from when he wins the title to now when he loses the title here in September, I mean, unprecedented drop in business across. Well, not the only is it not not only Matt Taven, I don't even think it's mostly Matt Taven. But he didn't help. He, <laughs> I mean, that's the, that, that's the you know when, when you're the champion at yeah. all, and I think he contributed to to. So it's just a horrible all around. Point number three, Marty Skrull dodged a bullet in my view. Because this was going to happen, whether Matt Taven won the title that night, whether Marty Skrull won the title that night, or whether Jay Lethal retained the title that night, I just think the degrees may have been slightly different. Maybe they wouldn't have bottomed out to the degree that they've bottomed out now under Marty Skrull, and I don't think they would have. But Ring of Honor still would have seen unsightly business declines without the elite. And, and without Cody and without Kenny Omega and without the New Japan presence with Skrull that they would have seen under Taven, in my opinion, and I think he dodged a bullet. Maybe they're not down to 800 pay-per-view buys. Maybe they're down to 1,200. Maybe they're not down to you know doing 60% less business. That, and maybe some of these cities, they're not instead of being down 60%, they're down 40 or 30%. But I still think that this was coming. Whether Marty Skrull or Matt Taven was champion or not, I just think it, it's you know a little bit worse under Taven. So for sure, yeah, I'm starting a conspiracy theory now that uh, Marty Skrull said <laughs> they said, "Hey, you're gonna win the title." He went, ah, "You know what? Nah, I don't even need the title. What? You know the title? No, I don't need the title. You have, have Taven win it because he is. Yeah, Marty can just kind of whatever he's gonna do in November, he can skirt away and go, "Hey, <laughs> not my fault. He, yeah, exactly. Not my problem. Bye." <laughs> That's- he, he not only dodged the bullet of being the guy who – because what would his – he'd have so much less leverage coming out of this if he was the guy who was champion during his drop. Everyone would say, oh, well, he's not the star that we thought he was. He dodged the bullet, and he comes out of this kind of looking like the martyr. Oh, well, uh, God, everyone – what does everybody say? Oh, you should have put it on, on Marty Scurll. He would have been your savior, and he wouldn't have been. But here's the thing. So what do you do – when you have a world champion that sees business drops that are approaching 
Of course you re-sign him to a deal where he's making three times as much money as he was before. <laughs> yes, of course. What you get yourself the- into a bidding war <laughs> for Matt David. Yeah. Just shut this shit down. They, this, this company's done. Sell this fucking tape library so I can go watch some classic Ring of Honor. I'm done with you guys. Get off my so, fucking... Go away. So after six months of this... We want someone, more of this at triple the rate that we got it at. Someone looked at this scenario and said, we got to have Get this idiot. guy back. Get out of here. Go away. And we have to pay him three times as much as he was making Get before. Get what we need to do. Sell that fucking tape library. Let's get this over with. I mean, what are they doing? <laughs> I mean, who does, this would be like, Rich, I know you're not on top of the NFL like you used to be. Okay. But this would be like the Minnesota Vikings signing Kirk Cousins to an extension today. <laughs> right. Right. It's, it, that's what this I do get that. Like. I do get that because he's pretty bad. Yeah. I, I know you're not that far removed. Like, you know what's going on in sports. Right. And now he's a massive bust with the deal they gave him. And, um, you know, it's like, how do you resign this guy to look if they would have resigned him to the same deal? I get it. All right. You want to keep the guy around. You're not going to blame everything on him. He's a good soldier, good guy in the locker room. Nice guy. He does have his fans, you know, the Madison Square Taven group, you know, but to, to give him an enormous raise and to put yourself in a bidding war for this man where everybody else just says, all right, he's all yours. He's all yours, guys. You win. It's just mind-blowing. So at this point, I think there is no saving Ring of Honor. I think they are – look, I made the comparison like a year ago. They are the AWA in the – they are the ESPN era AWA. It only gets worse from here. It doesn't matter what they do. People have given up on the company and Jeff Cobb, not Roosh, not Jeff Cobb, not Bandito. I don't care who it is, not Matt Taven. Not Marty Skrull if he resigns. Okay, and if they offer him three times the money, fuck, I'd probably resign it too. None of them are saving this company now because people have just washed their hands of it, and they've they've just there's just no interest in those letters. So outside of bringing in a huge outside star, it's only you know this this could be and looks like the beginning of the end. Oh, boy. Yeah. So a few more things to get to, Joe. Before we do that, though, do you want to let people know about MyBookie, another sponsor for this great episode of the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast? Rich, it's the end of a hard week. I've worked hard. There's nothing I want to do than sit down, kick my feet up, and watch a little football. A little Kirk Cousins, right? A little Kirk Cousins action there. You just you, It was a good oh, segue Kirk there Cousins. with the Kirk Cousins. So there you go. You little don't want to watch that. You don't want to sit down and watch Kirk Cousins, though. That is not ideal. Little Kirk Cousins, a little Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> a little okay, Cam Newton, to, you know the top stars of the NFL. You know these great quarterbacks all across this league. Colt McCoy. Nothing I like better than watching <laughs> you know all of these quarterbacks shit the bed right. on a weekly basis on a Sunday. Case Keenum, there's another one. Okay, but the NFL is exciting, and what makes the NFL even more exciting is betting against Kirk Cousins and Cam Newton and Case Keenum. And uh, Mitch Trubisky, although yeah, I guess we can't do that for a few weeks, right? They're yeah, gonna uh, go chase Daniel. Daniel <laughs> uh, takes over. Uh, so listen, what do I do? I do the smart thing. I go to mybookie.ag. No one gives you more ways to win than they do. My bookie's got the fastest payouts and better lines than any other sports book. And don't forget, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And mybookie.ag is the best in the business. It's where Joe Lanza plays. 
answer you should too. I would not be telling you about mybookie.ag if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing if you're going to bet this football season, if you're going to bet this weekend, if you're going to bet against Kirk Cousins, bet with mybookie.ag. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, you can bet parlays. If you bet on Kirk Cousins for some reason and you're getting your ass kicked, they have in-game betting so you can uh, correct your mistakes. Join now. MyBookie.ag will double your first deposit. All you have to do is use the promo code VOICES to activate the offer. That's promo code VOICES, V-O-I-C-E-S. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Good stuff there. Okay, a few more things to get to here before we get uh, say goodbye today. We have NWA on YouTube. So the official word coming down, the NWA TV show will air on YouTube.com slash NWA, the official NWA uh, YouTube channel. It will also air on Facebook as well, the NWA's Facebook page. This will air every Tuesday night on demand uh, at 6.05 uh, Eastern time. So a nice little nod there with the 6.05. And you'll be able to watch replays as well. Um, after that as well. So so you're getting NWA on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, no actual like TV networks or anything like that, but I think a pretty good distribution platform. I mean, a little disappointing probably for NWA to not find you know a TV partner in that sense, but uh, I, I think YouTube and Facebook is a great outlet for them too. I'd rather, you know, if the option is, hey, we can get our TV you know deal on some shitbag network that nobody gets or whatever, or we can put it on our own YouTube channel, which is already established or whatever, I'd probably choose the YouTube channel. Uh, obviously then now all the revenue and all that is going to have to be generated by NWA and, and generated by YouTube and by Facebook and all that sort of stuff, which will be an uphill battle. Uh, but regardless, uh, pretty cool. And we got another TV show now starting, uh, what, next Tuesday, right? Is this Tuesday coming up? I believe that's the case, yeah. Um, so wait, this is on YouTube and Facebook? I didn't YouTube know YouTube and Facebook, yeah. So YouTube.com slash NBA, and then Facebook has their little live platform as well. So you can do, you can do premieres and, and watch parties and all that sort of stuff. So you can do that. So and then. Yeah, simulcast. So this is simulcast on both at the same time Correct. live. Correct. Yeah, and then the replays will be available all the time uh, as well. Once the show's over, you can go to YouTube and, and watch the replay. You go to Facebook, watch the replay wherever you want to go. So, and, and also, so, I think Fight is going to get it on Saturdays. I want to say there's something on. Oh, the, they're going to be on Fight too. Yes, correct. For. I mean, look in the current landscape when you're like eighth in the pecking order, this isn't that bad. All things considered, I didn't realize I had all these different. Um, I thought it was strictly going to be a YouTube thing. And I know they're going to have a pay-per-view um, at some point. And that's going to be on a Saturday. So, um, yes, yeah, so it's going to be on Tuesdays. We talked to multiple people who were at the tapings. And then I know Jim Cornette on his podcast talked. This is why I listened to Cornette's show before we went on because he, of course, is doing the commentary. And he talked a lot about the tapings and seemed very positive. And it's Cornette. You know, he'd be, look, he's an employee. I get it. But he's a pretty honest guy. So uh, he was pretty positive about the experience and how everything went. So everything went smooth. He, he loved the uh, the look of the studio, which I know you did, too. Oh, God, I fucking love it. Yeah, I tweeted it out. And if you haven't seen it, just look up NWA Studio. It is, it is blue. It is 1984 melted down into the perfect thing ever. It's a studio. You got one row of bleachers. It, it fucking looks great. No mats on the on the ground. Everything's kind of shined up and, and looking real good. Yeah, I, I I love that set. You can have your fucking LED boards and all that shit. I'll take I'll take this any day. One hour shows, uh, studio style wrestling. So you're getting fucking rich. You're getting six minute matches. You're getting promos. You're getting no music. They come out of the curtain. They get announced, and they walk up the steps and go into the ring. Yep. Okay. They cut the promo gonna... walking out of the ring. The the uh, TV announcer guy walks up and interviews them with the ring behind them. I love it. 
think the TBS 605 show. That's the structure here. Okay, the one from, you know, the mid-80s. Uh, you get interviewed at the podium. You cut your promos. I think they taped eight one-hour episodes. I am excited for this because it's going to be so different. And, um, you know, I think it, it's like if the NWA tries to be like AEW and WWE, it's, it's, they're just going to, they're going to look second-rate. So why not stay in your lane and try to do something different and have a different kind of appeal? And I think that's important. And, um, you know, I'm excited about this. We talked to some people who were at the tapings, nothing but positive feedback from everyone. So uh, the tapings were said to be to have gone very well, very smooth. Uh, Billy Corgan is very hands-on, okay, and, and not in an overwhelming way, but very hands-on with everything. And, um, you know, so the tapings went well. You know, Cornette said Rock and Roll Express got super over, and he couldn't say a lot because obviously, um, you know, you don't want to give everything away that's going to air. But he said there were some other acts that got over, and he was very impressed with a lot of the wrestlers who may not be household names who, who took part at the tapings. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. And, you know, even the stuff we were told privately, I mean, I didn't, it was all positive, right, Rich? I mean, we didn't hear anything negative. Yeah, it seemed uh, like everybody, yeah, that was there, you know, uh, one thing that we heard from a lot of people, they put over how organized and, and, and professional yeah. everything was, which is, is an important thing for a, you know, a brand new company doing brand new TV and all that sort of stuff, a lot of moving parts. We heard everything was smooth there. We heard that everybody, yeah, it seemed like not a bad word that comes out of it, and that's, that's pretty rare in wrestling. Like, usually someone has something yeah. bad to say about someone, but yeah, everything seemed pretty glowing for the most part. Yeah, nobody was griping or trying to feed us shit to 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 bury other people or anything. It seems like it all, it, you know, went smooth and was shockingly organized. And, and uh, you know, so I'm excited about it. I can't wait. And I, I'm going to try to do something with it behind the paywall in terms of reviews as I restructure all the TV reviews or whatnot, because I think it's something uh, uh, different that is going to deserve coverage, um, you know, coming out of the gate. And then we'll go from there. And I, we already mentioned you know, Uncharted Territory doing record numbers for independent wrestling TV. And uh, just like last season, we've got a review. Might as well plug that now. We've got a review of the of the uh, episode one of this season up on the site now. Uh, what's what's his uh, fucking Andy Labar? Writing? Andy Labar. That's what he goes by. Yep. So Andy Labar, uh, he reviewed last year's season one, and he loved this episode. I haven't watched it yet. I know Brandon Thurston wrestled Jay Freddy again. Yeah. So and I then, gotta watch that. Gotta watch that. Can't can't miss. Can't uh, not support our man Brandon. Come on. Yeah. So. I'll eventually get to that. Like I'll eventually get to the other giant fucking pile of shit that I haven't watched yet. But uh, Big Titan is dead, Rich. Yes, yeah. Rick Bogner unfortunately uh, passed away earlier this week. Apparently he had, he had passed away on nine twenty, and nobody really uh, unfortunately knew about it right away. Uh, we did find out last week that uh, they had passed away at the age of forty nine. Obviously, uh, not ideal uh, dying at forty nine. So uh, some we, we heard it was uh, not kind of out of nowhere uh, in a lot of ways. He had some on and off problems here, but yeah, nobody expected him to uh, pass away. Uh, the way he did, but uh, yeah, any uh, any you know Rick Bogner, Big Titan, Fake Razor Ramon thoughts or, or, or you know things to look at? I, after he died, I went back and watched some of the old Fake Razor stuff and, and was able to watch some Big Titan stuff. But uh, what do you think overall of uh, a Bogner's career before we kind of dig into the, the Titan Fake Razor Ramon stuff? This was a guy where it's like it's just a shame that the Fake Razor stuff is what people are going to predominantly remember him for. Right. Um. This was a guy that when I was at when my peak tape trading and when I was really into FMW, he was obviously, 
you know, part of the big three, it was Big Titan, the Gladiator, which was Mike Awesome, and Hayabusa, which in those days, for me and my circle of wrestling nerd friends who were trading tapes, um, were, you know, the tapes that you would check that mailbox every day to see if it, because you were really excited to see those guys, you know. And and there was just, um, you know, I would recommend going back and checking that stuff, especially if your only exposure is the failed fake razor gimmick, which, you know, again, it's unfortunate. He got his opportunity, and so did Glenn Jacobs. And it worked out for one guy, and it just didn't work out for the other. I mean, that's just, you know, how it goes, you know. And, um, you know, he, he had brief appearances in ECW, eventually on November to Remember. I assume I'll get to those when we get to 1990, what do I want to say, five or six? Probably. Yeah, I think, he was, I think it was six. Yeah, I think it was either late 96 or maybe even early 97 that he popped up there. So Yeah, probably somewhere around, um, you know, 96 for that. But, yeah, his peak work was, you know, without question. FMW and, and, you know, the, the matches with Gladiator, the tag team, uh, with Mike Awesome and, and, and um, you know, really a guy who – a big guy who didn't work – who worked like a big guy but also did shit that big guys weren't doing in that day and age. Yeah, Same I was watching – yeah, I was going back and watching some old matches and I saw one. It was – I think it was in War – uh, and he was against, I want to say it was Tenru and, and, and Koji Katao, I believe. And he does like a fucking flying body press. I'm like, holy shit. And the crowd, you can hear the crowd too, because they're like, that dude's big. And he just did a body press <laughs> over the top rope. That's huge. So yeah, he, it, it, he was a guy that definitely worked a little faster, a little bit bigger than, than or a little bit, yeah, a little, little quicker, a little more high flying than you would imagine for a guy of that size in that era, especially. Well, war, I mean, that was after, yeah, that was a little later. And he was, um, I think he was aligned with with um, with Jericho and Gato and yes. Jado and mm-hmm. yeah yeah. yeah. Um, now I didn't I haven't seen a ton of that, so that I can't really speak on. I'm more familiar with the FMW stuff um, with him, and then obviously the American stuff he did that didn't that didn't work out, and then he kind of just disappeared from the scene shortly after the fake razor. Well, I guess he did New Japan for a little while, but that didn't really. Go yeah, it was in a G1. That. You could find if you look up uh, you know Big Titan wrestling or whatever you'll get uh, a new japan g1 match he has with i forget who it was i watched it a few days ago but it uh well that was a single elimination g1 yeah exactly and it wasn't very good so it didn't uh yeah he look he he was well past his peak at that point but um you know so i wonder if he has any new japan world stuff i probably has that's interesting yeah i'll have to i'll have to check on that uh, real quickly, but I, I'm sure he might have something on there. But yeah, and, and unfortunately, like I don't want to get into too much of the fake razor thing because it's not obviously this the show or what what people really care about. But uh, just a really bizarre, odd thing that nobody quite understands. And it's like you know, I went I went back and I watched some of the stuff, including like Jim Ross introducing him, and they have Jim Ross doing this like wor- weird like work shoot thing where he's like, yeah, this company's bullshit and Vince McMahon's terrible. And I'm like, who care? Like, who would watch this? Like, who would care about this? Why are you gonna? Why is this even being presented? On the channel, and then, yeah, apparently, according to everybody, Vince McMahon just one day woke up and was like, hey, I own the copyrights to Razor Ronin and Diesel. Let's have Razor Ronin and Diesel come back. And what what is interesting, though, watching this kind of, you know, with 2019 eyes is, is they immediately tell you, like, Jim Ross is the only guy that sort of says, well, hey, it's Razor and Diesel. But, like, right off the bat, they're like, well, that's not Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And he's like, I never said it was Scott Hall. I said it's Razor Ramon. And it's like, what are we doing? Like, why do we have this? It's just well, so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, look, at the time... Worked shoot stuff was kind of new. 
you know, looking back, it's like we're so tired of that stuff. I guess, yeah, I guess at the point where Jim Ross is calling him Mr. McMahon and, you know, Vince McMahon fired my ass and you're like, oh, I, I guess. But I don't, who's it for, though? Like, who's benefiting from that? Who's going well, to watch it? Was, it was, okay, I'm defending one of the worst angles of all time. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, like, defending it, defending it. But they were trying to get people to call 900 lines and, and there was a lot of unrest in wrestling, guys making jumps, obviously. Right, right, and, right. Yeah, and, they were trying to make money off of the idea that Diesel and Razor Ramon were really coming back. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, and then they, until they were, WCW said, uh, "You know, you're false promoting that." You know, Kevin yeah. Nash and, and Razor Ramon are walking through that door. So yeah, that. So there was, yeah, and even though they own those copyright, it's a whole thing. And then the idea was that it was going to get mega heat, and Jim Ross would be like a heel manager, and these guys would be. But people just reacted to it the way that you just reacted to it. Like, what is this shit? You know, this sucks. And it didn't stand a chance. And they weren't the only two. You had, you know, the, 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 the second double J, which was Jesse James. And it wasn't their only attempt at that. People forget that. Um, but yeah, it was an absolute utter failure. And I thought Bogner was a better razor than Jacobs was a diesel. Even though it was all horrendous. Yeah. Unfortunately, Wagner was like a good 75 pounds heavier than Razor Ramon ever was. Yeah. And the worst part is, too, and I think he, I, I watched an interview with him where he was like, yeah, they called me. And then they were like, you're going to be the Razor. And he's like, OK, I mean, like, you can't turn that down. That's your big opportunity. So, yeah, of course, I'll do it. And then he said yeah. that he got a call at like 8 a.m. one day. The Vince McMahon said, uh, hey, pal. He's like, hey, how's it going? He's like, uh, can you drop about 30, 40 pounds before you get to TV? And he's like, uh, TV's in like a week and a half. And he's like, yeah, I know, pal. It's going to be tough, but uh, I'm sure you can do it. And it's like. So, yeah. like, Wagner had to get down as much as he possibly could, which is, like, that dude was walking around at, like, you know, I, I don't know, he was a big dude. Like, I'm sure he was around 250, to something like that. And then he had to get down to, like, God, dead 210, 220 to, to even look remotely like Razor. And he comes out and he's wearing the Razor gear, but he doesn't look anything like Razor Ramon because he's fucking 45 pounds heavier than Razor. So. Oh, he, looked like, he looked like Razor Ramon if he was fat. Yeah, right, right, right. He kind of looked like him. Like, it wasn't all, like, Jacobs looked nothing like Diesel, like, to me. Anyway, I don't know. Look, it was all awful. It was terrible. Yeah, it was so bad, and it it, it lasted like yeah, th- a two months, three months, basically, and then it was gone and 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 dead and never to return. Well, they sent them to to Memphis. I think they sent them to Memphis, and then um, you know they did it there, and then I think they dropped it. But I don't he, he, look after that. He just bounced around for a little bit and got out of wrestling. He was only forty nine. Yeah, when he, so it's not like. Yeah, he's just a guy who disappeared in his 30s and never came back other than some small indie shots um, that I wasn't even aware of. But um, definitely a guy where it's like that day everyone's talking about fake razor, fake razor. And I was like, no, come on, man. Go dig a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Do a little work here. Titan. We should be talking about Big Titan today, you know, because that was a guy who a lot of people thought could really break. And, you know, Mike Awesome was the one who ultimately was the one who really did make it in America and you know it's like twice in in Bogner's career the other guy was the one to make it you know and sometimes 
Those are just the breaks. I know. He, should, he really should have done power bombs. Apparently, like, partners that do power bombs was not a good... Not yeah. a good, uh, not a good pick for him. So yeah, he should have uh, found a way to, around that. But yeah, no, I was able to watch. Yeah, there's not a ton out there of Big Titan stuff to watch, but you can dig around and find some stuff if you want. Uh, there's some, there's some like hand cam ones that were, were were out there that were pretty cool. But uh, I looked on New Japan World. It does not look like any of them are on New Japan World, unfortunately. So um, I could be doing a bad search or whatever. Or their search isn't quite the best, so uh, it's a possibility that that it's there somewhere. But yeah, I wasn't able to find it, unfortunately. But. Uh, that's that. We wanted to at least touch on him a little bit here in this crazy wrestling weekend. And then, Joe, finally, last but not least, do you want to get to this Noah Sumo Hall lineup? Because this lineup fucking rocks. We're not going to have a ton of time uh, to kind of wow. dig into it, but we'll, we'll, we'll do that in coming weeks, uh, at least, hopefully. you know, Because that's it's not until Noah the Best is, what date is that show? I want to say it is November 2nd, so we got plenty of time. Uh, to push kind of preview it. it, but yeah, it, it, real quickly if you want to go over the card or at least the big stuff of the card. Yeah, I mean, we can push. I could just go over quickly. Kano won the N one, so um, it'll be Kano and Kato Kiyomiya, which is a pretty brave main event for Sumo Hall, considering they just did that match in January. But uh, Kiyomiya's gone through pretty much everyone, so you know, um, I thought they'd go to Sagara again, but they're not doing that. Instead, Takashi Sagara's facing Big Mike Elgin. As they're rolling out a new title, Rich, the GHC National Championship. Uh, very quickly, what do you think about them rolling out another singles title? Uh, if I'm Noah, I don't know if I really necessarily need another singles title. I don't know if that's really the quite the greatest idea ever. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's to it, in one way. It's, it again kind of speaks to what we've been talking about a lot. Is it is it potentially that they think Kiyomiya is such a fucking dud? They're trying to get another drawing champion out there. I I don't know. They don't want him to lose, but maybe they want Segura to have like the secondary title so they could main event the secondary the matches with Segura as a champion. I don't know. It's it's very bizarre. I, I if I'm Noah, I'm definitely not rolling out a second title right now. So I don't think they see Kiyomiya as a dud, but they definitely have to recognize that he hasn't moved the needle at all. But he's not they're not losing fans either. He's kind of just been okay. But well, you know, the Sumo Hall show is gonna go a long way. If this thing draws. You got We got to start. We've been beating the guy up. You'll have to give him some credit if this thing draws. But they have loaded it up because you're getting Marafuji versus the Great Muda. So, you know, they weren't going to run Sumo Hall without bringing in some outsiders, and that's uh, one example. Axes, which is Goshiozaki and Nakajima, they defend the tag team titles, and that's a tag team that, if more people were watching Noah, they'd be a legitimate contender for tag team of the year. Uh, they had a great feud. Um, you know, earlier this year with with, with uh, Segura and uh, Cosma Sakamoto, but they'll defend here against. How do you like the tag team named the Tough? I do like it. It's a good one, the Tough, and it works for these two guys too. It's definitely the name of two guys that have called the Tough for sure. So yeah, so Masakitamiya and uh, Yoshiki Inamura, who's finally getting a legitimate push here. Hayata defends the junior title against Yohei. I am so sick of Rattels. <laughs> Rattels uh, explodes. <laughs> This is the second time. I mean, now they're going to go against each other. They they split up. Yohei went heel. They got back together for the tag, the junior tag league. Now they're facing each other for the junior title. I am so sick of them. I think that they are nice little undercard workers who get pushed way too hard based on the company they're in and limited options. Um, the, the Noah juniors were – I just watched a ton of Noah last week. The Noah Juniors were super interesting when it was the old dudes, when Katero Suzuki was getting pushed and Yoshinari Ogawa with a renewed push. And Rattel's just, I don't know, they just don't do it for me as 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 uh, as a pushed act. But um, speaking of Katero Suzuki and Yoshinari Ogawa, they defend the uh, junior tag team titles against the other, uh, you know, two other Rattel dudes, Daisuke Harada, who I like, 
and Tadasuke, who, you know, made it to the finals of the junior league, and he should never be pushed. I mean, I don't have a problem with him on the roster, but he's not a guy that needs to be pushed. He's just not good enough. Um, and you got Kaz Fujita, old Ironhead here, taking on Taniguchi. So, look, they're going to put – it's Sumo Hall. That's you fun. Try that's fun. Things. I mean, even even regardless of, like, that match is probably going to stink, that's a fun match, though. Yeah, no problem with it. No problem with it whatsoever. And then you've got your opening tags, which we don't really need to get into because we'll talk about the show again. But, you know, Mochizuki is working from Dragon Gate. Yeah, Sakuraba's popping up. Yeah, Sakuraba, exactly. Uh, Super Crazy, Chris Ridgeway. Just talking about some of the outsiders. So, um, you I'm know, you all in. Try- By the way, I'm all in on the Mochizuki Minoru Tanaka Super Crazy tag team. That fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a great team. And, and you know, Nasawa Rangai is on the show and we forgot to mention this during the Minoru Suzuki bit, but that's kind of the connection people are making with Suzuki and Noah because mm-hmm. he's tight with no sour wrong guy who's booking the company. So, uh, you know, the booker bring in his pal, he would certainly add something. Oh my God. And, It'd be night and day. If you had Minoru Suzuki to this roster. Well, well, rich, remember this, who did Kato Kiyomiya, have that feud with when he was a young boy. Oh, you're right. You're right. Minoru Suzuki. Minoru Suzuki was the one. Remember when Suzuki dropped the title for the final time? They put him in that program with Kiyomiya before Kiyomiya went on excursion. And he beat the living shit out of him like a million times. That's a nice little call. If they bring Suzuki back, perfect, perfect title program with a nice little callback. So there's that to remember too. But remember, different booker. Maybe some different ideas. So maybe they don't go back. Who knows? But why would you bring in Minoru Suzuki if you're not going to push him to the top? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, of course. So anyway, a little bit on the Noah Sumo Hall. Um, you know, we'll talk more about that as time moves on. Absolutely. All right. We are out of time here on the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Do want to thank our sponsors, ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. Use promo code VOICES. That will get you double your first deposit. MyBookie.ag. Use promo code VOICES. Also, VoiceWrestling.com. You want to definitely check that out. Uh, we have a Discord server now. Uh, VoiceWrestling.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to go there, you can get entered into that and chat with us about a whole lot of topics. Wrestling, non-wrestling, sports, all that other good stuff. Uh, and that's about it. We are up against the clock, so going to do this real quick. For Joel Lanza, I'm Rich Critch. We'll see you next time. Voice Wrestling Podcast. Take care.